does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Richardson out of the gun on an RPO. He's going to have to bring it down. He throws it in the far Uh-oh. flat. It's picked off. And Buffalo has it returning it inside the 20 down the far sideline. And they are finally wrapped up around the 14-yard line. Oh, I thought he was good. I mean, he bounced back. Obviously, the first drive of the game. You get the pick there, and he comes back. And we started moving the ball pretty good. He threw some nice touch passes. Good calm. Had some good things. You know, commanded the huddle, all those different things. I thought he did a nice job. It'll be good to watch the film. Yeah, I didn't know where the line was because originally it was it was a run play. Uh, I didn't want to get the penalty offensive line went down the field, but I, I'd rather take that penalty instead of you know giving them the ball and letting them get points. But you know, it's a learning experience for all of us, and I'm glad it happened early. Richardson, play action, fakes at the hole. Richardson fires there it upfield, go. guns it to Kylan Granson. He's got a first down. In fact, inside plus territory to the Buffalo Bill 46-yard line. That's an easy gain of 19 yards to Kylan Granson. It was fun just playing football again. That was that was fun uh, getting back in the groove. I think I had two or three drives. First drive, it wasn't the best. You know, turnover. Want to try to limit those as best as possible. Just find a way to manage it instead of trying to force it to be Superman. Oh, what's going on, everybody? I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know what, Jimbo? I, I'm going to need a favor, buddy. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you can deliver this one. Okay. I'm going to need you to be the voice of positivity today, okay? Oh, okay. Yeah, I can do that. Sure. You can definitely Absolutely. do that. Yes, because <sighs> I'm going to be the voice of realism today. Now, I'm not saying that positivity cannot be real. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just telling you there might be a clear difference in our tones today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd say that's fair. Yeah. Oh, just listening to that sound. My goodness, Jimmy, it was nails on the chalkboard. And and Eddie did a great job. Eddie Garrison putting that together. Round of applause. Round of applause. The, for Anthony Richardson slash Clay Richardson, because they're going to mold him like clay. There's a lot of molding that needs to be done. I love that, where it's like, first drive, not the best. You think? That was one of the worst picks I've ever seen, where he's throwing off his back foot, sidearm, throws it over the guy's head. Oh, my gosh. Like, I I, I can't take it. I can't take (laughs) it, Jimmy. Is this, like, sugarcoating the truth. And I'm not saying just with Anthony Richardson and that sound. Right before we started, I'm getting my notes ready. I'm grabbing some audio, that type of stuff. And first take is on. And um, Marcus Spears is on there. And I love Marcus Spears. I think overall he does a great job, except when he's talking about Anthony Richardson. Okay? <laughs> oh, the upside of this kid and saw some positive things. I'm like, he didn't watch. He didn't watch. It's comments. He did not watch because Anthony Richardson's debut was... Uh, it was, um, it made me more pessimistic because of the inaccurate throws, uh, missed hitch routes, a terrible interception, inaccurate. You know, I'm not expecting Mahomes, but I'm expecting you to be able to complete a hitch route. (laughs) I'm expecting you to make decisions that a grade schooler is capable of. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I saw from the debut. Gardner Minshew is 
light years beyond where Anthony Richardson is right now. You can see it. Gardner Minshew goes in there, two-minute drive. Boom, 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 boom. Right down the field, touchdown. Sidearm throw with the pass rush in his face. It's just night and day right now. Subject to change really quick, but that's where it is right now. So I gasp at the interception. It was gross. Like I can't I can't defend that play. I, I will throw out there whether or not Isaiah McKenzie is standing up for his rookie quarterback as a meat shield or whether or not he legitimately did run the wrong route. He did say post game that it was his fault. I the throw itself probably should have been thrown away, but he decided to force the throw there and it's an awful pick. Can't defend that. What enlightened me more was the response afterwards. And yes, there were some bounce throws that I I would agree. I would like to see those completed. It's frustrating, but you stressed this from the very beginning, that regardless of when he gets the start, you're going to have days like this. Maybe the majority of days will be like this, but you want to see response and growth. And I felt like from a overall day standpoint for where the bar was for him, you saw what he can be. He picked up a couple first downs with his legs. He was able to navigate and decide when he needed to bail on pockets versus when he needed to stay in there. And he also showed the arm strength on a touchdown pass that should be the lead story of the day, except it wasn't a touchdown pass because Alec Pierce couldn't come up with it. So I don't know. I, I'm not. You're right. I am going to be more positive than you today. <laughs> That's clear from the yeah. onset of this. Yeah. Yeah. But I also have realism within me as well. And I'm not standing around here, sitting here in the studio with pom-pom saying, yes, this is it. This is the guy guaranteed. But my tone on it is he got reps. There's plenty on tape to look at, particularly the interception of even if it was McKenzie's fault, why'd you throw the ball there? How are you going to improve for it? And I want to see what this week holds because Brian, the larger conversation for If he's ready for week one, not if he's going to succeed week one, but if he's ready for week one is how does he do throughout this entire week? The first step of the week was that preseason game. Now it's rest for a minute and then straight into joint practices. What kind of reps does he get with the Bears? How does he look versus the Bears in joint practices? And then on that quick turnaround, how does he look for the Bears preseason game, assuming he gets meaningful reps there? So jury is out for me. But I would call it mixed bag to fine performance versus mixed bag to overall negative performance. And I think that's probably where our tones change. Well, here's the thing, man. I thought you were positive, but I didn't think you were inaccurate. You know, I think you can be positive and accurate. I just look at it like this. With Anthony Richardson, first off, based on what we saw against the Bills, not ready to be a week one starter. That's clear in my mind. He has to look a lot better than he did to be the week one starter. Uh, the second part is, look, you're right. The throw to Alec Pierce was beautiful. That was a great pass uh, right by the pylon. Should have been a touchdown. But the thing to me is a great throw like that doesn't eliminate the inaccurate throws. Sure. Right? Like that's what it really comes down to because you might see on a highlight package, you might see on Sports Center this really nice throw, and it's like, oh, wow, that was right on the money. That, was, that looked good. It's like, well, yeah. But that doesn't eliminate the interception, which is terrible. That doesn't eliminate hitch routes that are inaccurate. You know, like, it doesn't. So, for any quarterback, not just Anthony Richardson, you can point out some beautiful throws. There are some quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield, a great example of this. 
Baker would make some throws, especially early in his career, I'd be like, that was beautiful. Sam Darnold. <laughs> there, there was a video early in Darnold's career. He eludes the pass rush. He buys time. He throws on the run. Just a dime. And you're like, wow. And then the next play happened. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it doesn't eliminate the next inaccurate throw. And that's what's happening right now is it's the honeymoon period. And there are these overly glossy, sugar-coated comments about Anthony Richardson where it's just not accurate. This is the uh, the audio. This is on Bill's TV network of the interception. Second down and six. Richardson again trying to get it out quickly. Intercepted by Dane Jackson. Okay, now listen to Steve Tasker, who's on the uh, he's the color commentator, Bill's radio, Bill's TV network. <laughs> can't believe he said this. Check this out. I'll say this. And one thing, you could see Anthony Richardson's got a gun because that ball got there in a hurry, even though it was off target. What? 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 Really? Man, he's got a gun. It was off target. It was a pick. But, man, what, what, a, what an impressive arm there. What are we doing? I don't care if he threw the fastest ball in the history of the NFL. If it ends up in the defender's stomach... <laughs> I I don't care how fast that was. So I don't know what it is, uh, Jimmy, where this honeymoon period, I I just have this need to just call it like it is, man. Don't don't sugarcoat the truth. If it's right there in front of your face, don't tell me it's something that it's not. This isn't a grade school quarterback. You don't have to sugarcoat it and make up for it. You could just say what happened without being ugly about it. That was an awful throw. I hope he'd be the first to tell you that. Off a throw, yeah, but, I mean, that was on Isaiah McKenzie because if you go back and rewatch the play, he points out, hey, the safety or the cornerback's coming on a blitz, and then I think McKenzie is supposed to, with the way that Richardson reacts once he gets the snap, he's immediate, immediately trying to get the ball out of his hands, and uh, McKenzie runs it out instead of going into the going into the flat, and I think that's what Richardson was expecting, and I think it was just a cross-up and a missed route by McKenzie, but either way, you you got to throw that ball in the dirt. You can't just throw it right to Dane Jackson. And that's a learning that's a learning opportunity, right? Regardless of it's McKenzie's fault or not, that happens sometimes. Route breakdowns happen in the NFL. You want to, as you become more experienced as a quarterback, be able to read when, oh man, that guy ran the wrong route. I can't throw it there, otherwise it's an easy pick. And you learn from it. And that that's I guess I'm not trying to be glass half full on this, but I was very worried in the things can snowball category that after that interception, when he got his next turn the day was going to be lost. And yes, there were some balls in the dirt that, you know, missed by about four or five feet. There also were some nice throws and completions where he leads the Colts down the field and they probably should have come away with points. So, I mean, it's mixed bag is where I would go, even trying to look at it from an optimistic angle, but I want to see more. I wasn't left feeling like, okay, he's clearly in over his head. I I don't need to see any more from him this preseason. I want to see more and I want to see some growth to the point that I feel like, all right, maybe Minshew lets you... Brian, you and I are in agreement on that. There's right. no doubt if you were going to start a quarterback, you would start Gardner Minshew from the stability, the veteran experience that he has. I'm not saying that he's an automatic MVP candidate. Right. I'm not even saying that he would lead a team to a Super Bowl. But I'm saying he's been in the NFL. He has far more reps than Anthony Richardson will have for quite some time. And he'll bring stability to the position compared to what Richardson would do right now. That's not an argument that either one of us is going to have, because if I did take the other side, 
you're going to win it for all the reasons that I laid out there. That said, though, I don't need to see Minshew out there unless it is clear and obvious that there will not be positives from playing Anthony Richardson. And by positives, I mean clear areas of growth and a learning opportunity for him. I know in the NFL, it's all about winning and the whole locker room cares about winning, but I want to see this quarterback grow. And to this point, small sample size, one preseason game in, I'm not ready to say, you know what? Maybe he does need a year on the bench, not after one preseason game. Well, the thing is, look, Minshew versus Richardson. Right, Jimmy, like Minshew is better right here, right now. He's the better quarterback today. He's had more experience. He started a lot more games, obviously, in his NFL career than Richardson, who's a rookie. He has so many more passing attempts between college and the pros. It's not even close. It's not even a fair fight. The only reason you would start Richardson day one or week one is because you want to speed up his development. You think this will get him developed faster. But there's no doubt Minshew is the better quarterback. Mm -hmm. I don't have a problem if they started him in week one, even though he's not the better quarterback for everything that was just explained. But you at least have to be accurate. Accuracy has to be a given in the NFL. It just does. You have so much stuff you have to do as a quarterback. (laughs) Getting the play out, first off. Reading the defense. You Seeing the blitz coming, you know, all these exotic looks, Mm -hmm. the clock, you have to have the sped up clock just because of the speed of the game, all this stuff. You got to be able to deliver accurate passes consistently. And this was, I love this one, Jimmy. This is on first and five. Again, Bill's TV network, Steve Tasker, who I don't know if he's Anthony Richardson's honorary agent. I don't know if he's like next in line or what, but he tries. He, I love this audio. He tries so hard to be like, man, I wish the tight end would have come up with this. And he's like, no, nah, actually, that's just a terrible throw. Check this out. Richardson throws and a tough pass is incomplete. Kyrie Elam had the coverage on Kylan Granson. Yeah, that was a, a throw that Richardson put a lot of mustard on. And to me, it was a little bit outside. You'd love to see him catch that difficult catch, but Richardson could take a little bit off that, put it back inside the numbers. I know he's already been picked off once and is probably wary of the inside coverage. That's a play you got to make. Uh, it's, a, it's a routine hitch route. You just want to see the guy complete that. Exactly. He finally got to the truth. He tried to sugarcoat it. Man, I'd like to see the tight end have go-go gadget arms and come up with that thing. But you know what? That's just got to be a better throw by Richardson. (laughs) It's really what he said there. And then later on, this was a hitch. Again, common theme to Michael Pittman Jr. Richardson fires too high for Pittman with a flag down. Yeah, it was offensive pass interference. And Pittman Jr. is 6'4", Jimmy. He's six foot four, and he was overthrown. What is it with hitch routes? It's a freaking hitch. The, the receiver stops, put it on him. And I, uh, I just, I don't know, man. I, I, I get annoyed when there is just bad logic flowing like wine out here, and they're sugarcoating the truth. I hate that. It's like, dude, you're an NFL quarterback. You're a top five pick. I expect you to complete hitch routes, like not consistently miss them. And again, that's why I want to see more, right? Like it's five incompletions, one of which was an interception, seven for 12 in the day, 67 yards. And he had a couple of nice runs, one of which came back for holding. Like it's a mixed bag for me. There's there's plenty of negative there, but I don't want to look at this, particularly the first preseason game in his first, albeit preseason NFL start and come away with 
you can't respond from this. It's all negative. It's all bad. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel here for him. And I know you're not fully panning it that way, but your worry is that, well, if he can't complete simple hitch routes now, then what is the larger body of work going to look like by the time that you put him in week one? And and I that's a fair criticism. And I'm not going to argue with you on that point. But I saw enough, and maybe this is the optimist in me, where I want to see more. Because I, I know what Minshew is. I know what they're getting out of Gardner Minshew. It's never been about Minshew for me. It's, is Anthony Richardson, from a rep standpoint, in a year where, like, if he's ready on the mental side of things, if he is fully ready in Shane Steichen's working order on the mental side of the game of football, and it's reps now, this season is not going anywhere from a championship-level standpoint. I would like to see it be a development season for Anthony Richardson. Gardner Minshew's on a, what, a one-year deal, Eddie, if I'm not mistaken. It's a one-year deal to, to be here with the Colts. Maybe he winds up being a, hey, I like Indy. I like Shane Steichen. I want to be a perennial backup. This is my home. That's what I see myself as. Great. Can't worry about that right now. Maybe that's what he sees himself as. That's what a lot of people label him as. It's a great backup, not a true starter in the National Football League. But for Anthony Richardson, it's, okay, if he's ready to go get the reps and try to be a quarterback, I don't want to sit one year with him if the finished product is going to be what you think it's going to be, which is a, a mediocre quarterback that you know had a lot of hype, but you tried to warn us about the reps. You tried to warn us about the accuracy. I don't want to wait a year on that if that's going to ultimately be the end answer here. If he's ready on the mental, go get in the reps, start in week one, and see what the film says by the end of the season. I hear you, but I disagree. I, I get your your because the know, only reason right I'd there. hang him back is if I really think he's not ready, and I think I'm saving him from himself in terms of his development. That's the only reason I would hold him back. Well, that's why I would double down on just waiting a little bit, not waiting until 2027. You know, maybe week seven. Sure. <laughs> There's a difference there. I was leading more towards 2024, but yes, right, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I understand. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's on the There's Jordan Love <laughs> program over there, basically. Um, well, I, I hear you in terms of if he's got it down mentally, which I don't know that he does. <laughs> All right. But and I said it, if to be clear. right, right, right. I know. I know. <laughs> that's a that's a big if right there. Again, not saying he's dumb. It's just he's got a lack of experience. Sure. So I don't know how he would just have it down cold, the mental side of the NFL game. You know what I mean? Coming from college, and it's just, it's not as advanced. It's not as advanced with the coverages you're going to see, mm-hmm. the exotic schemes. It's just the speed completely alone. different. Sure. Yeah, yep. Speed, all that stuff. So to have it down mentally cold, it's not happening in week one. But let's just say it was. Even there, I look at it and say, if he's struggling with accuracy if he's just he doesn't have the feel just yet, you and I agree, Jimmy. It's different if he goes out in week one and he's missing hitch routes left and right and it's an inaccurate day and leaves a lot to be desired. That lands differently mm-hmm. than if he waits a little bit. You know what I mean? You start Minshew, you're going to lose a few games, and then you bring Richardson in there eventually. Maybe you're able to get him on the field. I, I love this idea of a special package of plays, get him a handful of throws, hopefully each week. Maybe he's your goal line or red zone guy. I like the idea of getting his feet wet without throwing him out there as the starter. 
Because what are you going to do if he's in over his head? You know what I mean? Like, you can't yank the guy in week three, you know? So I think just bringing him along slowly with a complete lack of experience, he's going back to 21 years, he has the least amount of starts. He's tied with Mitch Trubisky, you know? That's not great. So that, to me, does not scream week one starter. And that's where I think, even if he's got the mental side down cold, which he doesn't, even if he did... I still think it makes more sense to wait a little bit. The scrutiny, it isn't as great. I'm not saying it's gone, but it's not as great than if you throw him out there week one and we're doing the comparison game. Well, here's what Bryce Young did. And if C.J. Stroud's starting, well, here's what he did. You're not doing all of that, and you're getting his feet wet gradually. I think that makes way more sense. The reason that I don't like that is I feel like if you are a Richardson defender or if you are a fan of the Colts that wants to see this done the right way, let's cut his day in half. So he went on a drive, on a random plug-and-play drive, like you're mentioning, get his feet wet at some point, maybe a week two or week three, whenever it is. Let's say he goes three of six, a very small sample size, mm-hmm. and, and you know, unfortunately, an interception is thrown there too. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of his day. Like, I... I'm going to be frustrated with the pick more than likely, but then it's like, okay, well, when's the next time he's going to get to learn from that? Because if you're Shane Steichen, and granted, this is a, whatever you want to call it, rebuilding, retooling, they're not they're not contender year for them. This is a, a, a stopgap year or a development year, any phrasing you want to use on it. It's not a championship level year. Do we see him again that game? Is that it? Because he just threw the one interception that, okay, that was a good series that we gave you there, Anthony. Let's, let's move it on and Minshew, you're back out there. I would rather continue to take these quarter reps and joint practice reps that he's getting and see if there's clear improvement on the tape. And if there is, whether it's week one or week seven, whenever you break that glass and put him out there, he's out there the rest of the year. Like you don't, you can't pull him. Once you've opened Pandora's box, it is his season barring injury or something else. Because we talk about, the confidence game of the NFL and certain situations I push back on it and don't view it as legitimate, but with a rookie with as much hype as Richardson has, I'm not interested in adding is his confidence been shaken or not into the equation of how you evaluate him. So once you put him out there, it's over. That That is the season and it's developmental year for him and you take the lumps where they come. That's why I'm so torn with it because whenever you do it, that aspect is still there. You cannot put the lid back on this box whenever you give him the keys. Okay, let me ask you this. Be honest with me. Sure. I know you always are. Are you confident if the Colts put him out there in week one, he's developed enough where you don't have to seriously sweat yanking him sometime during the season? You put him out there week one, and let's say he's healthy. He's good to go for all 17? There's not going to be any play where you're like, my goodness, that road game against whoever in week five or six, we're like, oh my gosh, like, you know what I mean? Like, are you confident? It's not just week one. You're thinking weeks one through 18, if you put him out there in week one, do you think he's developed to the point where you feel confident he could make it? So I'm going to answer that honestly, and I will say no, I'm not comfortable with full 18 that he can definitively make it. 
but it's not because of the reps and the experience. It's because he's a rookie that's unproven to this point in time. Like I'm, I'm not as it should matter to some extent, but there's so there's so little data on a quarterback as touted as he is that also is is criticizes he is for the lack of reps for the lack of 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 accuracy and and again not trying to gloss over there are key things that matter in the position but he's so raw that I think the safe answer across the board would probably be no he's not ready for it but if he is passing the other test to the point that it's just a reps thing and you're accepting the mistakes are going to be there you might be sweating it but I would rather get a full season of work and understand what this thing is and how many years we're looking at, if it is years of development, because it's not often set the world on fire, rookie quarterback. It takes time regardless of when you start a guy for the most part. I'd rather have the full season of work than wait an extra six weeks to think that he's going to get marginally better in your path of give him a series or two, let him sit behind Minshew, let him absorb the NFL more. I think for him at this point, it needs to be a baptism by fire. Give him the reps and see where we're at week 10, week 12, week 16, so on and so forth. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of driving your car. You ever been in a, not a hailstorm, but the first little <laughs> golf ball of hail sure. hits your car? I don't know about you, but I seek shelter immediately. You know, I'm not like, yeah, it'll probably pass. It'll be okay. You know, there's a warning sign (laughs) that that was the the weather God saying, hey, here's a quick heads up. Might want to get out of Dodge here. You know what I mean? Sure. And it's going to sound like complete panic mode. And I don't mean for it to. But Anthony Richardson's debut in the preseason against the Bills, that was a warning sign of things to come. Like inaccurate throws, a bad decision, an interception. You know what I mean? Like you can only sugarcoat so much. <laughs> and so that's that's preseason speed. You know, regular speed obviously is more advanced. And so I'm hearing from a lot of people like, ah, in spite of these warning signs, it'll be cool. It'll be all right. You know, it's the third base coach that says, yeah, you can make it. And then the throw comes in. And you're like, oh, gosh, you're out by 10 steps right there. I don't know what I was thinking. It, that debut was more of a warning sign to me than putting me at ease. If I'm a little bit nervous about something, you don't put me at ease by saying, hey, uh, only five hours to pay rent. You know what I mean? Like, sure. sure. <laughs> that doesn't put me at ease. That performance did not put me at ease. It only created more doubt and more questions. I view it more like the first test to start a year to figure out where you really are. And this is going to be jam-packed. It's a very quick six-week type of seminar. Not even that, in fact. It's just a preseason test. And okay, we have a baseline for where you're at right now. Joint practices, Bears preseason game, Eagles joint practices, Eagles preseason game. How do you look in those games? Because I agree with you. Shaky mixed bag debut, but I'll be more on the optimistic side than you are. Mm -hmm. But that's the baseline. Where do we go from here? And again, you're right. It's a whole different animal in week one, but it's about growth and competence at the position to the point that, yes, the reps aren't there, but you're throwing a rookie quarterback out there. You're putting a rookie quarterback out there that is going to make mistakes that should not be afraid to make mistakes. 
because I want to see at the end of the day growth, whether it's week one or week seven, we'll continue to debate that moving forward. But in the here and now, this is the baseline of his preseason exam. How do, where does he go from here? Right. Is it improvement or is it seven to t- seven for 12 days with bad interceptions and well, missed hitch routes? That's the thing is, first off, my optimism bar isn't that high to clear <laughs> for, for, for you. That's the first thing. But like this would be like teaching your kid to ride a bike and they have training wheels and they're all shaky, and it's like, oh, you almost hit a curb. You know what I mean? Are you going to say, hey, keep with the training wheels? Or are you going to say, let's take these training wheels off? I think you're ready. Like, that's what I'm hearing. Anthony Richardson was completely shaky in training wheels, and we're like, yeah, we don't need these. Let, let's start riding the bike for real now. What Com- do you say? Like, it's just a bad idea. Completely shaky and strong. Again, that's where you and I, oh, that's where you and I differ on this. He can't complete hitch routes. Hitch routes. <laughs> that, that is quarterback 101. That's layup type stuff. That's literally missing layups. Saying that he can't is, I think, too extreme because he just missed two throws. Like, it's the first start for him in, in, against NFL talent. Like, I don't think you can label it as he can't do something. If, um, if a young rookie, if Wembenyama went out there and missed two layups... I'm not going to sit there and be like, hey, he's a rookie, you know, give him time. It's all right. I mean, they're layups. I, I don't I don't disagree so with that what, analogy. So you're going to say what, that he can't make layups in if he misses two layups? You're being too literal. No, 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 no. I, I like, don't. I, 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 I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to be literal like that. My point is, is that I agree with you. Layups are very, very easy, but there is a difference between point blank missing a layup and having a little bit too much velocity on a throw or overthrowing a receiver on 12 pass attempts. Like I'm just, I'm. If you went into yesterday's preseason game with a low bar of optimism and you came away with it with, yeah, I this pretty much solidified what I thought about him, he's not ready, you're not going to hear me fully argue with you. All I will ask you is that there's still dates left on this schedule between now and week one where we want to see some type of growth. We want to see some type of improvement from practice to practice, from game to game. Right now, probably a point in your book. I'm willing to chalk that up there, but this rally is far from finished between now and week one. And that's the point I'm trying to look at this This from. fight ain't over, no. It's not over. It's not, you, you might have won round battle, one. But not the war, no. 11 more rounds, <laughs> barring a knockout here. In your corner. Yeah. Okay, a lot to get to. I want to circle back to the bar is too low. I want to circle back to that at the end of the hour. But coming up next, what could this guy do for the guy we've just been talking a lot about. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Man, you know, I do not love being the bad guy. I, it's just, I don't love it. I'd love to come in here after a sterling Anthony Richardson debut and say, wow, Indy, man, you hit on a huge draft pick here. You know, pinpoint accuracy. What a solid debut. That's not true. That wouldn't be appropriate either, though. Both of those would be overreactions in right. my mind. Well, I'm just saying if he did, right? That would not be me today, by well. the way. Even if yeah. I'm Mr. Positivity, that would not be me trying to sell you on the fact that the Colts nailed this. Right. Everybody that said anything wrong about Anthony Richardson, <laughs> ha, take that. That would, that would not be the appropriate reaction because, again, A, it's preseason. 
and B, incredibly small sample size. The, the point still remains that Anthony Richardson has a lack of reps, has a lack of experience. One preseason game, the whole quarter, 12 passes, doesn't change that for anybody, whether you're on the super positive side for him or whether you're like, hey, he's clearly not ready. That problem did not get solved over I the think, weekend. I think more times than not, Jimmy, I'm curious if you think of it this way. I think more times than not in preseason action, I this will be shocking to you, but I, I really do think that you can sense red flags easier than like studly play to come, if that makes sense. So I look at it like this. If you're with the ones and you can't move the ball against the twos, that's a red flag. It's a huge red flag. If you go in there and sometimes you're facing the backup defense, you go there and you complete a couple of passes. Jordan Love, good example of this with the Packers. He went in there against the Bengals' second-team defense. He completed a couple of passes. Okay, good. That doesn't. It's not a sign of studly play to come. You know what I mean? But if he went out there and missed a couple of throws and was inaccurate and... I'd be like, uh oh, red flag. It's hard in the preseason. There are a few exceptions. Russell Wilson was one of those guys. I remember when he was a rookie and he went in there in the preseason. I think it was against your Chiefs, Jimmy. And it was like, wow, this guy's got something. You could just feel it. You could see it. You could see his timing, his rhythm, just his poise. It was there, it was apparent. So there are exceptions, but I think more times than not in preseason, for young quarterbacks in particular, I think it's easier to sense red flags than great play to come because it depends on who you're surrounded by and who you're going up against. Yeah, I mean, it, it's especially for the first example you laid out, which is if you're going up against inferior competition or guys that are in theory supposed to be behind you on a depth chart and you're struggling mightily, I have the flag in my pocket, as do you, right? I'm not necessarily waving it around like, okay, front office, what are you doing? But now I have my hand on the flag. If I see plays like that in one preseason game, if I see him again, then it starts to become okay. Once is, you know, just a one-off, but twice, three times, it's no longer just coincidental. Maybe this is habitual. And then you start to really panic or feel like, all right, maybe this player is not ready, which is why all I'm asking is, and again, you made it clear on Friday you would need to be wowed, yeah. not just for that preseason game, but the whole preseason for you to feel like you would budge off of your week six or seven versus week one nod for Anthony Richardson to be the starter. And I can butter it up, even though I felt like I was more fair than some of the clips that you've played of trying to, you know, clean cut it and sugarcoat it a la Bill's TV network and then be oh. like, but that was a bad play. I felt like I was a little bit more honest about it, but... I can be as kind as I want. I know that game didn't change your mind. Nothing that happened. Even even his, Brian, answer me this honestly. Even if he hooks up with Alec Pierce and Pierce makes that catch, right. you're not celebrating that as a wow day. You're like, that's a great throw, but look at the interception. Look at the missed hitch right. routes. Like, There's more to it than just that pass, but it is more palatable for me, at least from my takeaways from that game, for whatever reason, if Pierce is able to make that catch. Because it was a nice play, and he did make a couple of nice plays with legs. And I can tolerate what we knew going in. There's going to be an accuracy. There's going to be misses. But is it going to be like that forever, or is he going to respond and grow from it? Yeah, listen, if, if that catch is made, it does feel differently. But I think it can sometimes mislead uh, people more. 
into overlooking sure. you know the shortcomings. And, and again, I'm not asking him to, you know, do a Mahomes where he's like rolling right, pirouetting, doing a Kareem sky hook to, to his running <laughs> right. back for a touchdown. I'm not asking for a finished product, but that's what gets you know distorted a lot. Where it sounds like I am, it sounds like I want him to be uh, Dan Marino in year ten as a rookie in his preseason opener. I'm not. It's just, I expect you to hit hitch routes. You know what I mean? Like that, that is not an unattainable bar, but how about this? The Colts, they say they're expecting Jonathan Taylor to be back this week. So we circle back to this, the running back saga, the soap opera that is like sand through the hourglass. If you have JT back there, and this isn't to, you know, talk trash about a rookie from Northwestern, Evan Hull, but he's not JT. And Hull got stuffed on, what, third and one and fourth and one. Not all his fault, but if you've got Jonathan Taylor back there, that's obviously helping Anthony Richardson a lot. And I immediately think, if you see Anthony Richardson struggle to complete hitch routes, which he did multiple times, any smart defensive coordinator is saying, he has to beat us. Like, if that's the starting quarterback, Anthony Richardson has to beat us. That's the only way you're going to win a game, is if he beats us time and time again, primarily with his arm. If you've got Jonathan Taylor back there, it it can force you to get away from that mindset if JT has a little bit too much success and you gotta you got to switch things up just a bit. So having JT back there, I think, would make a big difference. And they expect him back this week. That's what they're saying. But both sides are playing hardball right now. What do you think? Is he back, J- uh, if, is JT back this week, Jimmy? See, here's my issue. What does back mean? Because Shane Steichen could be right if he's back, like he's back at Colts camp. Like he's uh-huh. just there. I don't right. mean necessarily participating, but if he's there, Steichen didn't lie to anybody. He told you he was going to be back next week. If you're asking That's me, what he do said. I th- he said he'll be back, and then once he, he'll practice once right. he's medically cleared. And, and, and Taylor's been pretty consistent on that as well, that once he's fully healthy – how much of this engagementship, though? Ah, yeah, the ankle just doesn't feel right. Like, I don't feel like I'm ready. But he could go out there. Like, is that the type of chess match that's happening here? Or is it going to end up working itself out where, yeah, he's going to be back out there practicing? If the question is, do I think he's going to be back this week practicing, my answer would be no. I think this thing is far from over, and I don't think he's going to be suited up in any real capacity other than on the sidelines like he was earlier at Grand Park. Look, man, this is why Jim Irsay's entire approach has been so stupid. So stupid. It's not just Colts versus Jonathan Taylor in terms of a contract negotiation, right? It's not just that. It's not just Irsay and other team owners versus running backs. It's your young quarterback, Anthony Richardson, who you just might throw out there in week one. You, you you have to think him, right? Like, and it got way too personal. And Ursay got annoyed with running backs or agents talking about more money. And he threw a tweet out there and then he bungled it more. And now we are where we are. That was a big part of it. I think it's at the top of the list why we are where we are. Running back market factors in, JT's agent, there are numerous factors. But the way Ursay handled this, it was just. Between him and JT, or him and running backs, and not thinking about Anthony Richardson and what's it going to be like if JT isn't out there and A. Rich is starting right away. You're putting your young quarterback, who you want to develop, 
who's had limited experience, you want him to develop on the fly. Why would you put him in a situation like that where he doesn't have a major weapon around him potentially because you're making things more difficult than they need to be? It was just a terrible approach from the get-go. The approach has been awful, and it's turned into a total fiasco that, at the end of the day, still feels salvageable for one reason and one reason only. Jonathan Taylor, unless he wants financial repercussions, is going to have to be available for this team at some point, unless the, like, we're getting into really minute details of his ankle not being 100% and how many independent doctors or team doctors are involved with that evaluation. And has this become one big fight between Jonathan Taylor, the NFLPA, and the Colts? I don't know if we get to that point or not, but outside of taking that path of, oh, I'm just not healthy and not ready to go, he's going to have to be out there. In the short term, I agree with you 100%, Brian. This would be a different feel from every development angle you can look at if you had a running back of Jonathan Taylor's caliber out there with Anthony Richardson, even for a couple of snaps in the preseason. But that idea is not enough for me, and and I don't I don't know if you're saying this or not, but that's not enough for me, if I'm Jim Irsay, to come back to the table and be like, JT, I messed up. I'm sorry. Right. Here's $16 million for three years. Well, what I'm saying is this is why you shouldn't have stepped in it sure. before. If, sure. if you're not going to prove it with actions, which is giving a contract extension, and I understand why not. The market is what it is. So if you're not going to do that, you at least got to butter the guy up with flowery words. Instead, they did the exact opposite, man. Instead of... Saying, you know, telling your girl, hey, you're pretty, you're looking great. Ursay was like, make me a meal. You know, like, <laughs> get in there. I'm hungry. What's your problem? It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? How is that your approach? It was just so silly to begin with. But, like, here's the thing, Jimmy, is we've had a lot of discussions about the running back position, how valuable it is, and all that type of stuff. Ask yourself this. We know what the market is, what it is. And we know that running backs are not going to get paid a lot because other positions are valued more. We get it. It's a hard salary cap. We can do the math. But for anybody to be completely misled by the market and the dollars and cents being where they are, do you think that Anthony Richardson is in the same position with whoever's back there, whether it's Evan Hall or you know uh, Zach Moss is back? Like, have that be the co-pilot for Anthony Anthony Richardson versus Jonathan Taylor, right? If you don't see there's a difference there, I can't help you. And I agree with Najee Harris where the running back position has been devalued everywhere. Uh, uh, it's, it's only been devalued at the negotiating table. That, that's the only place that it's been devalued yeah. at uh, because JT being back there compared to Evan Hall, it's a huge difference, and you can't let the running back market sway you into thinking that it's not. I know that this won't happen for a number of different reasons, but if I had dug this ditch that Jim Irsay finds himself in right now, and we get to week one, and Anthony Richardson's going to be my starter, and I don't have confidence in my running back room, I'm doing a one-year contract for yeah. probably Dalvin. an overpay amount of money, for a Dalvin Cook, for an Ezekiel Elliott, maybe for Leonard Fournette, but Dalvin Cook is the obvious answer of of the three for me anyway, at least of the type of year they had last year and the type of running backs they are. I would do everything in my power to go get Dalvin Cook. 
I get it from an optic standpoint to give him one year like 10 or 12 probably destroys the type of contract negotiations or good faith conversations you could maybe still have with Jonathan Taylor in terms of trying to talk him down from 16 or wherever he might be. But if that's where you're at, where you know you need a better running back to help with Anthony Richardson's development and Jonathan Taylor is not coming through that door, I'm signing the best available free agent I can for the sake of my rookie quarterback. Hey, I hear you, man. It's a lot of money, though. You're, you're basically paying two guys. <laughs> right? sure. like, but I, I hear you on that. You want to put Anthony Richardson in the best position possible. Coming up next, speaking of, high ceiling, low bar. How is that the case? We'll get to that. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Yeah, so I'm trying to do the math over here, Jimmy. It's just not adding up. By the way, Nate Atkins, Colts beat reporter from the Indy Star at the top of the hour. But I'm trying to figure this out where um, Anthony Richardson, he's got this high ceiling, right? I would agree with that. Certainly does. Got a lot of ability. He's got this... This high, high ceiling, yet the the expectations and the the standards for him are so low. <laughs> like that doesn't add up to me at all. Again, I'm not expecting Mahomes out of the gate. But if he's missing hitch routes, I'm not expecting, well, you know, I'd I'd like to see the tight end come up with that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just weird how that can be we're truly in the honeymoon phase. But it just doesn't add up to have both. I hear, I, I could play you audio of uh, Steve Tasker. I will in the second hour. You can look forward to that. But Steve Tasker's like, I would have made Anthony Richardson the number one pick. And then his next breath, he's like, man, that was an interception, but man, look at the laser arm. You know what I mean? It's like, what? What are we talking? If, if you're expecting that much and you think that much of his ability... Why are you sugarcoating missed hitch routes? That makes no sense. I mean, look, I can't speak for a Bills color analyst, right? Like, I, I don't know why they, they treated him that way. He has no, he doesn't owe anything to Anthony Richardson. He's not even on his roster. Like, I, I won't be able to explain that away. Uh, you made the joke earlier. It sounds like he's, you know, jockeying for future representation of Anthony <laughs> right. Richardson. I don't, right. I, I don't know if he, if he's wanting to start a, a representation group of sports agents and he wants to be the lead voice behind that. Who knows? M- my bar, my bar was at a spot where I wanted to get a baseline of, okay, how inexperienced is he really? How does he handle a quarter of NFL football, even if it is in the preseason? And do I want to see more out of him? And that bar nearly got knocked off completely on that first drive with the interception. Again, Isaiah McKenzie later said he ran the wrong route. It certainly looks that way, but Richardson didn't have to throw it, right? And that's something that a more experienced quarterback probably would not have done right away. They either would have looked for something else, thrown it away, or taken a sack and moved on. He chose to throw it. Interception happened. My bar then changed with, okay, is this day lost now, or does he bounce back? And were there still missed throws? Yes, but his next drive leads the Colts down the field. They should have gotten points out of it. They didn't. It's a missed field goal, and things continue to move on to where all right, well, next drive, let's see what happens. And yeah, there were missed hitch routes. There were things that probably should have been done by a more experienced quarterback that he failed in this first test. But I'm not to the point now where I'm ready to close the book and say, okay, this is what he is definitively for week one. He's not ready for that. I want to see more, 
and then go from there, which is why I'd say fine to mixed debut for him. Well, hey, listen, I'm not saying you got to watch that preseason opener and your takeaway should be it can't be anything better than a, a complete failure and a total bust. <laughs> I'm not saying that should no, no. be your takeaway. I, I'm, I'm just saying in general, sure, right? Sure. I, but if you're saying, not just you, but people in general that are saying huge ability, high ceiling, I, I agree. Then why is it not, but it's got to be better after the opener, right? Like that's not overreacting or it's got to be a lot better. I, I don't know why it's Sugarcoat City where it's like, yay, miss some some hitch routes, but yeah, 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 yeah. I, I hate that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with saying it's got to be better without completely crushing the guy. You know, it. Well, I don't know why I have to deal in extremes. There's a healthy middle ground in this whole debate, if you will, right? Where sure. it's got to be a lot better based on his mammoth ability. And while it doesn't have to be a finished product, I want you to hit the hitch route. That's not unreasonable. No, I don't. I don't think you're being unreasonable, but I, I think that. I worry that at this point for you, it's not an extreme. It's a reasonable thought that, you know, I, I just don't think he's ready for week one. I need to yeah. see truly more out of him. And I and I I agree with why you were at that conclusion, but we've disagreed on when we think he should get out there and start. I do want to see more from him. I don't mm-hmm. think I've sugarcoated anything about his day other than right. maybe a more optimistic tone than you, but definitely right, right. Not, not as much cotton candy as the Bills right. uh, TV crew. I, I, I believe we've both been rational about each end of the spectrum of how do you feel about Anthony Richardson's debut. One other thing I want to throw at you because I know we're getting close to a break, but this from Ian Rappaport about four minutes ago, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, who has been away from the team getting additional rehab on his ankle, is back today, source said. He remains on pup and his stance has not changed, but he has returned. He has returned. Okay. He's back there. Just not out there. (laughs) (laughs) Shane Steichen didn't lie to anybody. (laughs) Did not lie. We got Nate Adkins, Colts beat reporter for the Indy Star coming up. I'm Brian though. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. Here on The Fan. I I like how uh, (laughs) the beep on the fly of some Papa Roach by Eddie Garrison. Like, oh, shoot, he cusses right here. I forgot to click the clean version on that one. So hey. I was like, as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, yeah. Tip the cap, good save, no harm done. It was great Made editing on the fly, man. That was awesome. <laughs> Love that. I like, want to welcome in Nate Atkins, Colts beat reporter for the Indy Star, joining us here on The Fan. Nate, uh, good afternoon to you. How much music do you enjoy that has cussing in it? Anything come to mind, band or artist? Uh, well, I, I I go back with Papa Roach a little bit. Uh, that was <laughs> that was pretty big in my high school years. And uh, someone who, yeah, every time I go to the gym, it's got to have a little bit of uh, vulgarity in it to get my blood flowing. So that's pretty normal. Fair enough. Anybody else come to mind? I don't know. You, uh, I, I'm trying to think of. I've got. A, I'm trying to think of ones that are clean. You know what I mean? Like, what else is in the arsenal for you? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking just that genre. I mean, uh, you know, Three Days Grace, Event Sevenfold, uh, Rise Against. It's all sort of the same same boat to me. They're just angry at life. You got to let some f bombs go. You know, it, it just happens. Absolutely. Uh, did you let any f bombs go when you were watching Anthony Richardson's performance there, Nate? <laughs> uh, I mean, 
I certainly love the uh, the throw he made down the the right sideline to Alec Pierce that uh, Pierce didn't end up pulling in. So that was sort of like a you, know, you could you could drop an F bomb there just in in sort of the excitement of, of what that could look like once they get that connection down. Uh, you know, it was one of those. I felt like we got the whole package with Anthony in that first game because you had uh, the upside there that you know that the easy flick of the wrist and ability to just get the ball in a perfect place down the field. Uh, you had the downside too of you know not being on the same page with receivers and throwing an interception or rushing a couple throws, and then you had the growth where you know he got he calmed down after a first drive where I thought he was very hoppy and rushed and, and ended up getting more into a flow. And you had you know he talked on the sideline about you know how he's got to he's got to not be reckless with the ball. That's the kind of growth that that you want to see out of a young quarterback. So. Everything there, even though it was just three drives in a preseason game and vanilla schemes, I thought it was the exact package of what I thought he was going to be and just curious to see kind of how that builds over time. Nate, where was your bar for him just for this game going in, knowing he was going to get a quarter of action, and how did he do against where you maybe envisioned things playing out on Saturday? Yeah, I was I was pretty impressed. I mean, there's uh, there's certainly – things to nitpick his final stat line didn't look great and it and it changes a ton if you you know add in a 45 yard touchdown or you take out an interception that was i think more isaiah mckenzie's fault you know as a veteran who's got to step up and make things easier for his quarterback but certainly was uh that's that's still in the quarterback some too so i mean i I, my expectation for Anthony has always been that it was go, it's going to be a work in progress. I think people just accelerate things way too much with rookies because it is exciting to get you know one at the number four pick and it is the most important position. You get wrapped up in the upside of what they can be, but it always takes time for guys to get there. There's almost you almost never find a situation where the quarterback's drafted in the top ten and immediately comes out and plays great as a rookie and leads his team to the playoffs. It's pretty much Andrew Luck, the year he did it, and it's hard to find another version like that. You know, you have guys who can have a big rookie year like Justin Herbert did with Shane Steichen, and his whole coaching staff got fired because they didn't win enough. Or you have, you know, a lot of situations where just the, the rookie year is, is either subpar, like it was for Trevor Lawrence, or it's it's fine, but it's not, you know, it's not electric like Joe Burrow's first year was just kind of fine, and the Bengals won like four games, and he had a serious injury. And so it's always the work in progress with rookies, and I think it's it's got to be even more of that for Anthony Richardson than someone like Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, who I think come in having already you know played like the realized versions of themselves on the college football playoff stage. Anthony has started 13 games above high school and you know he in, in wasn't particularly great in those so everything about drafting him is about what he can become if you give him uh the right scheme and the right consistent coaching and you drill on the the fundamentals of you know footwork and accuracy and you you know br- end up bringing out some of that historic athletic upside along the way there's there's a world where he's he's you know if he hits his ceiling he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. He has that kind of ceiling, but there's it almost never works out where that's what they are as a rookie, and I think people just got to brace for the fact that this year is all about getting him those reps to start kind of working through the issues that were there at Florida, the reason that he was the number, the, or the third quarterback taken in the draft and not the first with all that upside. 
and there's going to be losses and bumps in the road along the way, but it's all about what can he be in 24, 25, 26. And if they get him in that kind of a place, then it'll be a great pick. He's Nate Atkins from the Indy Star joining us here on The Fan. Based on Saturday and also what you've seen from him in training camp, what would you say right now is his biggest strength and his biggest red flag? Uh, His biggest strength is his ability to move within the pocket when there's pressure. So there's, that is a very hard thing to learn, especially for rookies. A lot of times what rookies will do is they, they're aware that they have to avoid pressure, but they're like staring at the pass rush and not at the routes. And it's just hard to connect the two things, the sort of the post snap picture with what they assumed was coming pre-snap and then what's actually in the face. And Anthony just has a great way of, keeping his eyes downfield and just sort of moving naturally within the pocket. That's where you see that, you know, the the upside he showed at the combine with some of the vertical and broad jumps. That's how he kind of launches from one spot to another with such great grace and balance in the pocket to, you know, absorb contact and still keep, you know, good footwork in order to make a throw. The biggest weakness though, is just sort of the opposite of that is when he's not, and under under any pressure, when he's just sort of standing there doing the boring, simple stuff, that's where he just tends to get a little hoppy, tends to rush things. His release can sometimes be a little higher than you want, so the ball can sometimes sail. You saw that on Saturday with even some of the completions. Michael Pittman Jr., who's six four and has one of the biggest wingspans in the NFL, had to extend the full way on a hitch route that I just – Normally, you'd like it this to be a little bit more uh, in a more normal place. So just the ball placement, I think, for him is still the consistency of the ball placement because there's moments where, especially when he throws a fade route or something, something where it's, 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 he knows it's going to involve more, uh, it tends to be really, really good. It's just those, those kind of simple throws when he's standing flat-footed and no one's around him. It just it gets away from him sometimes, and that has happened consistently uh, in college and, and so far in the NFL. That's just the thing, though, that they have to they have to get him doing it so often and get just one one system of voices in his ears uh, as far as quarterback trainers to iron through that. That he's never really been in that environment to learn that way. Uh, so that that's kind of where he's at right now, I think. Nate, this is a big week in terms of the amount of reps you can force feed Anthony Richardson. We've seen one step of the week taken yesterday or on Saturday, rather, with the matchup against the Bills and his one quarter play. We've dissected that a little bit already. When you look at upcoming joint practices and the lead into the preseason game number two against the Bears, what are you looking for this week out of him? Where do you want to see? I don't want to say instant growth, but but where are you maybe changing your prism of viewing him this week? with what you saw on Saturday in the back of your mind? I mean, I think what would be nice to see is at least one moment where he can sort of, I don't know if this will happen, probably would happen more in the preseason game than the joint practice of how they run it, but I'd love to see a moment where we see that upside as a runner because on Saturday he had some you know impressive moments of getting out of pressure and, and absorbing some contact, but he just didn't really get a lane into the open field the way that I would love to see just because of I know how fast he is from watching him at the combine so that would be fun just to just to kind of give everyone a glimpse of that and let him feel it that way it's hard in these settings where they whistle plays dead it's sort of taking out one of the best 
qualities that he has and making him kind of focus on those weaker areas. And so then with the weaker areas, I mean, that play like he threw the interception on to Isaiah McKenzie. Well, you know, that may be that maybe Isaiah McKenzie didn't turn around in time, communicate it right, but Anthony's got to get to a point where he's not just forcing the ball anyway, where he can he can read in the moment where it's not there, it's not going to work this way, and either he needs to hold the ball and scramble and use some of that pocket movement and uh, you know physicality and speed, or he's got to just throw it into the stands and realize like you have another play to do this. Not every single play has to be you making it in, in wowing everybody. So that's just some of the stuff that happens with young players, and that's why you get them reps like in the preseason so they can drill through that, and I think it helps each time they go up against a new team, joint practices, or a preseason game like they will this week with the Bears – just to get a different sort of scheme and different surprises. Uh, he's gotten to the point where I think he knows what he's getting out of the Colts scheme for the most part. Uh, but each new team he faces, that's where you just really get to see the challenges pop up because of just how little he's played. Nate, you think he's ready to start in week one? Yeah, I think that's definitely going to happen. The only thing I think is going to throw that off is if he has an injury that either obviously keeps him out of that game or – loses enough time to where he's just not quite ready uh, because of loss of practice time. But right now the way I look at it is that I think you could argue that both Anthony and Gardner Minshew have a certain floor that's very different that they bring to this team. Gardner has the knowledge in the playbook and you know the experience level to you know not force mistakes like that interception we've been talking about. There's sort of a safe nature to him that they know what to call for. Anthony's floor is just that rushing ability that you can design that way, that the way that opens up lanes for the backs, like we saw with Deion Jackson. There's a certain element he's going to bring, even when he's not perfect at everything else. But only one of those guys has the upside of making throws like Anthony did to uh, Alec Pierce or running over someone for a first down. And I just think if they're going to build this offense for Anthony – that is very much about the quarterback run game and the deception there and the uh, RPO with the quarterback run element. I don't know how they can do that with Gardner Minshew as the starter the same way. He's just not that type of player. He can move a little bit, but he's not a designed runner type of player. So the danger they're going to get into if they start Gardner is that, you know, at what point – at some point you're going to bring Anthony in and make him the starter this year, and you just have to redo the offense at that point. Why not just start with the offense, teach it to everybody, and go through the growing pains so long as you feel like you can insulate him enough to not struggle enough to lose people's confidence. And, you know, and, and just that, that you trust him to grow and learn this way and not kind of be consumed by that, which is everything we've seen so far is how much he loves to, to work at this, how much he loves – learning and focusing on his weaknesses even you know not even though it's not necessarily the most fun thing to do he's he's been into it and you know and I just think like it's in a year like this where they don't have a team that is gonna is probably not going to contend for anything even a division title this year what's going to really matter is is finding those moments of hope along the way so throw like he had Alec Pierce even that a couple times a game even when they don't win the game I think sends a big message to the rest of the team about where this is going and what the season's about and I think if you're not ever showing that upside but also losing games with Gardner Minshew 
which I just is not about Gardner. It's more about the state of this team. I just don't think that's the smartest way to go. Uh, Nate, really appreciate the time, man. It's good to catch up with you, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Good to talk to you guys. Thanks, Nate. All right, Nate. There he is, Nate Atkins, Colts beat reporter for the Indy Star, joining us here on The Fan. There's a lot to digest there, Jimbo. Here are a couple of things that I would say. Um, I was just thinking about the floor and the ceiling. You know, you hear that a lot, especially with Anthony Richardson. And I don't think that it's wrong automatically. I just think that it's uncommon than how you'd normally think in life. You know what I mean? Where, take um, a meal. Do you think that, like, if this meal reaches its ceiling, this might be the best meal I've ever had? Do you think that? Or do you think more realistically? Right? Like, if you um, buy a new house, you kind of walk in realistically thinking, okay, these are the positives, these are the drawbacks, you know, here's where it's most likely going to be for our lives, that sort of thing. I don't think you just look at, man, if this house reaches its ceiling, you know, figuratively, (laughs) this is going to be our dream home, you know what I mean? It's just funny that, I get it, we're hopeful as fans, right? We're, We're hopeful that players can reach their ceiling and if there's someone that has a lot of ability like Anthony Richardson, it is fun to think what might be if he reaches his ceiling. But it's just so abnormal from how you normally go through life thinking about stuff, you know? And so, I don't know. I just look at it more so, where's he realistically going to land over the course of his NFL career? Because you could play the ceiling game with anybody. It, you don't have to have just freakish athletic ability and, you know, physically and with the arm strength and all of that stuff. You don't have to have ability that's off the charts to play the ceiling game. You could play the ceiling game with anybody, right? We didn't play the ceiling game with Brady. <laughs> look how that turned out. It's like, I look at how it's realistically going to turn out, not the best case or the worst case. And that's all I'm fixated on. The bigger thing for me, though, with rookies compared to when they start to where they stabilize or fall out of the league is that floor eventually reaches a point of reliability. And for any player that's been in the league three, four, five years, you can point to, like you mentioned, different ceilings with them. The ceiling goes from, though, a what could maybe possibly happen to, oh, he has that in his bag. He can do that. He could make a play like that every now and again. That's his ceiling. But his floor is he's a reliable starter. He's a consistent leader. He's somebody that you can count on to be not only the face of your franchise, but to win you football games. Now, the higher your floor, the higher your greatness, the higher your perception. It's why we have tiers of quarterbacks in the National Football League. When I look at somebody that is reliable, that doesn't have the very high extreme ceiling. I think of Kirk Cousins. He's mm-hmm. a reliable starter. Yeah. He is a starting quarterback that many teams would gladly welcome to their team because he does his job and he does it well. He doesn't often have shock value moments, but he's a competent NFL starter. Mm-hmm. And that's a long-term tenured successful career 
in the NFL. There's different bars of success, but that's successful. So if you're asking me what this thing's going to wind up being for Anthony Richardson, yes, I would like it to be top five. I want it to be best of the best in two, three, four years. But if the consolation prize is stability at that position and the level at which you can build around and comfortably build around him, that would also be a good close to the investment that they made for me. Well, we were also talking about the wow plays. We've talked about this, you and I, Jimbo, but just to bring it up, where we just saw Anthony Richardson on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And look, look, as Nate pointed out, while mentioning he does love some Papa Roach from back in the day, (laughs) (laughs) Nate did mention that it was a beautiful throw on a deep ball to Alec Pierce. And it should have been a touchdown. Wasn't caught. Uh, tight coverage, right? Uh, and it, it just wasn't completed. But a very nice throw. And um, that that's one of the, you know, the more special plays that Anthony Richardson can produce. And uh, I just look at the, because I hear this a lot, like the wow plays versus the simple plays. Mm-hmm. If he, if Alec Pierce makes that play and catches that ball, because that's a wow play, that doesn't put me at ease that the simple plays are going to be executed more often. You know what puts me at ease is the simple plays being executed more often. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Just because you have a wow play doesn't mean, therefore, you're going to be able to complete the simple throws with great regularity. You have to prove that by completing the simple throws with great regularity. You know what I mean? Like, You wouldn't think of it the opposite way if uh, Anthony Richardson or take it, another quarterback – quarterback fill in the blank. If they're just making the simple throws, simple throws, simple throws, why would you then think the wow plays are the next thing up? It's in the on-deck circle, you know? But it works the opposite way, where if you see a wow throw, it's like, well, then this guy's definitely got to make the simple plays. Not necessarily. There are a lot of quarterbacks that struggle at the simple, but they can produce some wow plays. So that, to me, is the real growth for Anthony Richardson. No one's disputing that he can make wow plays, can he be consistent enough to make the simple plays where it's third and four, there's a simple hitch, you hit the guy, and you move the chains? You've got to be able to do that to be anything in the NFL. That's why these highlight plays, they're great, they're valuable, but they're overrated. The things that are underrated are those little things. Hitting the open receiver, moving the chains on third and three. That's not going to lead Sports Center, but it's going to win games. Mm-hmm. And until he can do that regularly... He's always going to struggle. He's got to be able to do the simple stuff, too. I have no argument with that whatsoever, which is why I want to see more. That's why I left Saturday feeling hungry for more of Anthony Richardson than I did thinking, eh, let's. He, <laughs> he needs to age a little bit more like a fine wine for me to be ready to, to fully throw him out there. I, I want to see more. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be week one. I've made my stance clear. That's what I think they should do. That's what I want to see. But I understand people being apprehensive to that, and my suggestion would be, okay, we still got a couple more weeks to figure out if he can change your mind at all. And even if he can't, if he does get started week one, Nate also mentioned this, I I don't want to see Gardner Minshew unless we absolutely have to, whether it's it's week seven for Anthony Richardson or whether it's right out of the gate. (laughs) Seeing Gardner Minshew means that Anthony Richardson is not ready. And it's, not, it's not the worst thing, though. No. It's not. But for me, all I keep looking at is how much will really change for him 
unless they do it your way, Brian, which I don't think they're going to do. Like, I like your idea of, of, okay, maybe give them a couple series here or there, but you don't see that very often in the NFL, except for like special packages for like a quarterback that is strictly a runner, goal line, go out there and, and go get us a yard or two. Like, you'll see that every now and again for backup quarterbacks. I think the unique twist on it that you brought up last week is ease them in, maybe give them a drive, right. kind of like you're doing in preseason right now. Yeah. I don't hate that, but that would be so new thinking in today's NFL that I don't know that I can count on the Colts or any franchise in their position to do it. So it sounds like we do have two extreme paths of, do you let him sit and learn? Is that what he needs right now is learning or does he need reps and experience? And if it's the latter, get him as many as possible this year. And sure, the heavens will rain down on you and Colts fans will be upset and he'd be better off not turning on any sports pundit show or listening to talk radio for 17 weeks because it's not going to be pleasant stuff that's said. But it might be something that needs to be done because the more reps you can get him in a year where expectations, that is a bar that's low. That is a bar that's in the ground. That bar is not getting elevated unless it happens by accident or it happens because Anthony Richardson is suddenly Andrew Luck light the world on fire as a rookie quarterback. And because that's where the bar is at, I would almost rather give him the year and see where we're at at the end of next season. Because if he struggles and he's bad and you think, we really need to break glass on this whole Anthony Richardson thing, you still have your pick next year and all of a sudden you're in the Bears boat where you're thinking, "Uh, Caleb Williams is there. Maybe maybe we'd punt on this thing. That's your break glass in case of emergency if he's truly awful and you win four games next year because of how bad he was. And that still might not be enough. Sure. You know, I'll just say this real fast is I didn't expect you to say after his first preseason game, I've seen enough. Start him week one. You know what I mean? I'm not expecting you or anybody else to say that, but I don't like, I need to see more and start him week one. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like no, no, I, I how think those that, two things come together. I think that for critics, they need to see more with it. I need to see more of it over the course of a whole season because reps are the issue. It's this weird paradox where he needs reps, but how is he going to get? Th- I talked about it last week, and it's the analogy I'm going to burn into the ground. It's like the job that you want, but you need experience to get it. But that job would give you the experience. And, and every job opportunity is holding you back because you need experience specifically from that job. There's sometimes you're applying for a job where you don't have all the stuff that lines up. You throw your hat out there and you see what happens and you try to impress them and end up getting the job. For Richardson, again, I know this is a franchise that has high expectations because of the success they have had 2000 and beyond. But we're an era behind that now. This is a new game in terms of trying to build back to that point. And because that's where expectations are at, I'm okay with this being a observational season to figure out if this guy's right. Because if it winds up being a failure down the road, I don't want to wait another six weeks, let alone another year, for that cold water to be doused on me. I would rather get it in the form of a full 17-game season. Man, if you start a relationship with one person, I don't want you thinking about your next relationship right away. <laughs> and that's what you just gave us with Caleb Williams. You're proving he's not ready. This is the gladiator gif, okay? Where he says, I will see you again, but not yet. Not yet. That's what I think with Anthony Richardson. He will start again, but not yet. Not yet. <laughs>
That's right. That's right. I think it should be. All right, coming up next, I will say something uber positive about the Colts game on Saturday, believe it or not. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. By the way, um, this band, Three Doors Down, Again, this uh, it should not be called Kryptonite. It should be called <laughs> Superman, right? <laughs> We've established that. But I heard an interview. I don't know if I've told you this, Jimmy. Apologize if I have. But I heard an interview with the singer. He's got a hardcore Mississippi accent. Really? Like super Southern. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, I didn't see that coming. He doesn't <laughs> sound Southern at all when he's singing. But yeah, he <laughs> sounds... And I love a Southern accent. I'm not saying anything else, but... I just didn't expect that. It's like an actor or actress. Yes, where, thousand percent. Right? I'm where, used to Christian Bale like being Bruce yeah. Wayne, and then I hear him do it, and I'm like, oh, you, like, that's right, you're not American. Yeah. That's my fault. I apologize. <laughs> Tom Holland's the same way. It's like, oh, wait, you're playing American. Oh, you're British. My fault. That's on me. I'm sorry. Yeah. You just get used to Man, they, they were really believable <laughs> with that English accent, but yeah. Uh, no, yeah, hardcore Southern accent. I looked it up from Mississippi. <laughs> the singer of Three Doors Down, for what it's worth. Okay, uber positivity, okay, from the Colts game. Unfortunately, it's about the Bills. <laughs> this is, this is, I, I'm sorry, but this is true. This is, this is the uh, Bills TV network on the call. Uh, check this out. DeMar Hamlin coming in off the right side, blitzed off the edge. They are not hesitant. He is not hesitant. You love to see it. After everything that's happened to this team, DeMar Hamlin knifing in off the edge to get in on that tackle and stop the, the runner short of the line to game. Yeah, he was in on a few tackles, and we all know DeMar Hamlin's history last year where he suffered cardiac arrest, almost died, um, was uh, administered CPR on the field at Cincinnati, was rushed to the hospital, made it, and now he's back, Jimmy. And not hesitating at all. Now, listen to this. This is DeMar after the game against the Colts talking about his mindset. When you step in between the lines, you put yourself at risk by hesitating. I made the choice that I wanted to play. You know, it wasn't nobody else's choices but mine. So making that choice, I know what comes with it. You know what I'm saying? So when you see my cleats laced up with my helmet and shoulder pads on, there ain't going to be no hesitation. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you can't play this game like that. You, you'll put yourself at more risk by hesitating. So, you know, I'm out there. I'm just not thinking twice. I'm just playing my game and playing how I was taught to play since I was my little brother's age. Man, Jimmy, I'm just impressed. Yeah. Because you think about the mental strength that it takes. Think about any injury. Now, this is different than your standard injury, but even a knee injury. I've had a couple of knee injuries. I had a torn ACL, and I certainly wasn't playing in the NFL, but everybody goes through it. You're thinking, can I start and stop? Can I cut? Can I trust my body? You know what I mean? There's a whole thing you have to break through to be able to trust your body again. That's a knee injury. Like... DeMar Hamlin almost died, and he's out here not missing a step, not missing a beat with getting back to full speed, not hesitating. That takes a lot of mental toughness to be able to do that mental strength. I applaud the guy, man. He's doing what he wants to do. I hope it works out great, but he's so right. You can't hesitate out there, not at the NFL level. Shoot, you can't hesitate in high school, <laughs> grade school. Like It's just not the sport for that, especially as a safety. You're at great risk doing that. So I applaud the guy. I think it 
shows how strong he is. And that is just a sensational story coming back from what he's come back from. It's one thing of levels of impressiveness to fight for his life, win that battle, and be able to walk again, to talk again, to be able to you know have a life again, let alone to get the medical clearance required, but then also take that leap forward and trust your body and trust your heart as a whole with those medical clearance. Because again, that, those are just words, right? Until you put yourself out there, regardless of the injury, you're going to know your body better than anybody and you're taking a leap of faith. You can't afford to just have one foot in the water. It's either go all in in this sport or not. The fact that that's his mentality, that he was able to do it at a high level in the preseason, and the fact that it's only been, like, what, eight months since that happened? Yeah. It continues to be, anytime he's on a field, one of the best stories in all of sports, and without question, the best story of this past weekend of NFL preseason week one. Yeah, I'm, man. I'm so happy for him. I'm happy for the Bills. I mean, we're all thrilled for him and happy for him that he was okay, that he got to see it tomorrow through all of that in one of the most scary instances I've ever seen about on a football field. Mm-hmm. The fact that it also continues on this story and his NFL journey because it's something that he wants more than anything in the world. It's enough to not only make you smile and make you admire what he's doing, but it's a motivational tool as well of that's what DeMar Hamlin can do. Why can't I go do something special? Yeah. And uh, I just think about injuries in general or take it to the next degree. Think about Tua Tungavailoa with the head injuries. I think head injuries are in a different category than your standard run-of-the-mill, you know, ankle, knee, that type of stuff, shoulder. Um, so you got to battle through that, too. It's not easy to do that and to act like there's not previous history. You know what I mean? Like, you have a blank slate. It's not like that, yet you have to go out there as if it is. That is not an easy thing to do, and especially with DeMar Hamlin. He collapsed, and his heart stopped because of a collision that happened at the wrong time. Like, how do you just flip that switch again and say, I'm not hesitating. I know what happened before, but I'm not thinking about that now. That, I'm so impressed with that guy being able to do that because anybody who suffered an injury, and you know what it's like to trust your ankle again, trust your knee, trust whatever it is, to to trust your body to not collapse and your heart to not stop that is a completely different ball game and that's what he's dealing with and he's dealt with it so impressively I am just I applaud that guy that is just a tremendous story coming back that way it doesn't matter who your team is in the National Football League we talk about rooting for players all the time an incredibly easy guy to root for everything that he's gone through and it's been quite like not ignore but but take a second to step back from his return to NFL action and being involved in a preseason game. I mean, you saw everyone's emotions on full display at the ESPYs back in July when, when he's giving the Pat Tillman Service Award to the Buffalo Bills training staff. Everybody who was there firsthand resuscitating him and bringing him back and giving him the opportunity to be able to fight for his life, let alone have this opportunity to be back in the NFL. Like I said, it's he's an easy guy to root for. This story is an easy thing to root for, and I'm right there with you, Brian. I, I want to see him continue to not only live out his dream, but succeed and have a spot in the NFL for as long as he wants that to be the case. Isn't that crazy how paths cross in the NFL where you think about Anthony Richardson's preseason debut 
and he's on the same field as DeMar Hamlin, who had that whole cardiac arrest situation last year. And it's just wild how some things come together like that. It's just strange, right? Like, um, this is a silly thing to add to it, but I, um, yeah, I do radio on the weekend and they were asking for a bio. They're like, can you send us your bio? It's for the website, yada, yada. And there's a show I do called Countdown to Kickoff now. And so I looked and I, I gave them my bio and it was like, I was doing a show called Countdown to Kickoff in 2005, which was the official Notre Dame pregame show. And it's like, I never, <laughs> ever would have thought, <laughs> what, 18 years later, I'd be, be doing the same show in a completely different capacity. But you know what I mean? It's just weird how life goes sometimes like that. And um, for Anthony Richardson, his preseason debut, he was on the same field as DeMar Hamlin and many others. But DeMar's story specifically, it's just interesting how those things connect at various times during your NFL career. It's a, it, you, I think you were the one that mentioned the Kevin Bacon effect uh, last yeah. week. It's that similar thing within any work situation, like regardless if you're in business or if you're in sports or, or re, wherever you're at, it's funny to look back, whether you're applying for new jobs or, or, or looking back and fine-tuning your resume and seeing where those butterfly effects or cross paths moments might have happened. And it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, that kind of stuff. Be like, wow, I can't believe that I know, this is how far I've come or this is what I'm doing now. And especially in sports, you see coaching trees, you see moments of, hey, this historic moment happened. This is when his first NFL game was. And oh, DeMar Hamlin also made his return to NFL action. Like it's, that's what I love about sports is those type of look back moments yeah. when it's all said and done where you can connect and retrace paths and realize, oh, wow, they shared the field at the same time and that was his debut. And that's awesome. I will say, though, on a lighter note, um, I hope whatever your countdown to kickoff is that it doesn't involve Charlie Weiss. That's all I'll say. <laughs> that's all I'll say. You brought up 05 Notre Dame. It's not my fault. I get it, man. <laughs> I uh, It started off so well, right? Mm-hmm. Four and two and... Uh, USC close loss and, and then the mat the most upset I've ever seen my dad, my late father about college football and about Notre Dame in general was when they lost the Navy. I've never I've never <laughs> seen him more upset because I, I don't I don't remember the figure in front of me, but we're talking decades long winning streak against Navy. Oh, yeah. And that was like one of those unforgivables like the nail was in the uh. coffin of Charlie Weiss in the cookhouse after the loss to Navy. Man, and that was the uh, the old shotgun handed off to the re- to the running back. Yep. Try to power it in, yep. and uh, yeah, not so much. <laughs> not, you know how those Patriots the play where you know Tom Brady would act like the ball went over his head, mm-hmm. and they direct snap it to like Kevin Falk or something like sure. that. It seemed like they always scored <laughs> or they always picked up the first down. It didn't happen for the Irish. No, no, it did not. <laughs> that game against Navy. All right, we've got Lara Overton talking Colts at 2 o'clock at the top of the hour. Coming up next, up-tempo? Yeah. Could be a lot of plays for the Colts this season. We'll explain. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Brian No and Jimmy Cook with you here on The Fan. Man, it was shades of Chip Kelly with the Colts' high up-tempo offense where you saw, um, what was it, the third drive for Anthony Richardson. They were going fast, Jimmy. Where I was watching, I'm like, they're snapping the ball with 20 seconds left on the play clock, 23 seconds left, 19, 20 seconds left. That's four snaps where you've got 
20 seconds or thereabout left on the play clock. That is going quickly. I don't expect them to do that all the time for obvious reasons. It's going to crush your defense. It didn't quite work out for Chip. But Shane Steichen definitely has that in the playbook there where you just shift speeds. Maybe this is not just a two-minute drive, but let's just go quick here. Let's go up-tempo. I think you're definitely going to see that from the Colts this year. Does that type of tempo matter to you in terms of who's under center? I know we've had this conversation of whether or not he's ready or not week one, but there's certainly more pros slash cons to be had when you're evaluating that play style over the course of long-term play, not just for your defense aspect, but for your rookie quarterback versus what would be at play potentially with Gardner Minshew there. Does that philosophy get impacted at all for you, depending on who the starter is week one? Well, I think that when Clay Richardson went up-tempo, it was his third drive, and this wasn't a two-minute situation. So they did a lot of running. Mm-hmm. And that helps, Anthony. I'm not saying that he can't operate a two-minute drill. I'm just saying with limited reps in college, it's going to help you if it's you know a mixed bag. We might run it here. We might throw it instead of an obvious passing situation in a two-minute drill. So I think the time that they did it, it suited Richardson very well. Gardner came in there, and he ran the two-minute drill really well. It was very smooth, accurate passes right down the field, hot knife through butter, they score a touchdown. So I think it's about when you go high-tempo, or up-tempo, if you will, where if it's a two-minute drill for Anthony Richardson, I don't love it as much. That's another thing. Jimmy, you think about everything that you're asking a quarterback to do if you say you're the week one starter. That's... Everything under the sun, that's two-minute drill, that's calling plays, that's dissecting defenses, that's reading coverage, that's throwing accurate passes, hitches included, you know? You're asking him to do all of that. And uh, I don't know, man. I'd ease him in, but I've made that perfectly clear. The only other thing from preseason that we've not talked about, and of course we still have an hour of conversation to have on this, and as you mentioned, Larry Overton of the Colts Radio Network going to be with us here in just a moment, once we you know take our final break of the hour. But the other aspect of it that we didn't talk about, again, this isn't red flag territory, uh-huh. but it was head-scratching facepalm territory. Yeah, Matt Gay, my man, we, we can't be having this. Oof. Like, it's a one-off, and I'm not, again, I'm not saying that's who he's going to be because he's proved himself in the National Football League enough for one preseason miss to not be time to, you know, <laughs> iceberg straight ahead. We're not, we're not in that territory just yet, but... That type of money for a position, the only reason that you spend on that position is because you feel like you're so lost at a position that points are scored where we're making the big investment. We don't have to stress about this anymore. That was not a non-stressful moment on a 28-yarder missed by Matt Gay. Preseason, fine. This starts to stack up and it looks no different than Blankenship. Then we're going to have some serious mm-hmm. problems with what was done this offseason by the Colts. That, I have to ask, that wasn't a some misses are more significant than other misses moment for betting Jimmy Cook, was it? It was not. No, okay, I, I'll good. be honest okay. with you. There was no there, there, there was no money on the line as to why I'm frustrated with Matt Gay. It's because I was one that was like, that's a lot of money for a kicker. And the pushback was, well, it solves a problem that we had last year. It's like, okay, does it? Yeah, and I think it will, but... 
I needed, you talk about routine, I needed routine there. I didn't get routine, now I'm a little concerned. It secured money, though, for yours truly. Did it? Hey. I had under 17 and a half first half total. <laughs> oh, man. And you barely got there. You got there because of that. Oh, yeah. Tip the cap Ooh, to you. Yeah. Well done. Yes. Yes, yes, yes I did. <laughs> got it at nice. plus odds, so I was like, all right, let's roll. Toes are tapping. Yeah. And it worked out. Oh, the people that went over Ugh. are like these freaking kickers. You can't, I've got a couple of... Uh, when we get to the betting segment at the very end of the show, mm-hmm. we got a lot of material. That's all I can tell you right now. There are a lot of stories to be told, but we turn our attention to Lara Overton right around the corner. Colts reporter, host, producer, a lot of uh, Colts talk. Anthony Richardson's debut, JT returns. All that stuff and more. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Lara Overton, Colts reporter, host, producer, joining us here on the show. You know, Lara, we'll get to the Colts. I want to know about you first. What was the <laughs> highlight of your weekend? That's what I want to know. Uh, do you mean like game? You mean not not game wise? It could be game wise. It could be game wise. Give me game wise and non game wise. All right. Uh, I think uh, game wise, what it's always for me the preseason is so special because you get to do the in game interviews, which I always have so much fun with. So I think one the opportunity to grab Anthony Richardson in the second half. Like he was right off of his first start in the NFL. I just and I thought he was so candid and uh, just gave some really great insight and perspective. And then I also really liked having some fun with Gardner Minshew because here's what you guys didn't see on the broadcast is there was this moment in the game where you could probably tell how the winds were swirling there, and it tends to do that in Buffalo because they're so close to the water and all of those things, so it can get pretty gusty. Well, at one point, my notes actually got ripped off of my clipboard and started just barreling toward the field. They're at the t- they're at the twenty. They're at the ten. Uh, touchdown for my stack of notes, which is pretty comprehensive. A security guard had to grab it at the back of the end zone and bring it over to me. Um, I joked, actually, one of our videographers, Matt Wilkening, captured the video of it, and I joked that we needed Matt Taylor to do a play-by-play in the Don Fisher voice and narrate my notes, just tumbling over and over through Highmark Stadium. Um, so those were a few funny things. So with the uh, with the conditions, with the weather and everything, I ended up having to pull my hair back into a ponytail. It had been down. The wind was crazy. So going into my interview later in the game with Gardner Minshew, I'm, I said, I just called it out. I'm like, oh, you know, the wind has been crazy down here so much. So I had to go to a ponytail. However, Gardner Minshew's hair is still perfect. Um, (laughs) And it was. I was very envious. He'd had a helmet on. He'd been sweating. All of that still Gardner hair game so strong. Um, And then one thing just off the field, um, I always look forward to whenever we travel, whenever we're on the road, I get a chance to catch up with friends of mine who work in the league in that city, whether whether they cover the team or work for the team. So I went out to dinner on Friday night with Maddie Glab, the Bills reporter, and then Cynthia Freeland from mm. NFL Network and got to spend some time with them. And um, I mean, you guys are well aware of Cynthia's work and, and she's just one of the most brilliant human beings, like flat out. So it's always I just like try to sit as close to her as humanly possible to absorb uh, all of her intellect by osmosis. Yeah, she's great. And I just have to tell you, Lara, because if I go to a game and there's a squirrel or some random animal, 
that's running for a touchdown and doesn't know that they are. And they always pause at like the two yard line. And then they go right. in the end zone. I cheer for that animal like it's a game-winning touchdown. I would have cheered the same way for your notes if Thank they you. just stopped Thank at you. the five and then got in. The, yeah, I would have given it a standing ovation. I appreciate. I appreciate the heck out of that. It's also like the baby racer, baby races at the Pacers game. Sometimes you'll see the one baby take off, and then he like gets three quarters of the way there, and he all of a sudden is like deer in headlights. And then the baby who like didn't get off the line till a full forty five seconds later is all of a sudden like beating him, catching him up to you know, and t- w- wins like a year's worth of diapers or something. I don't know. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Uh, okay, so you talked to Anthony Richardson. What did you think about his performance before you were able to talk about uh, talk to him about it? Uh, you knew that you knew that he was going to be kicking himself about the interception, um, and I watched his demeanor. Coming off the field, that's what I was really interested in was, okay, how's he going to respond? How's he going to, you know, after that opening drive? And he, as soon as he threw it, you know, he was looking back at the video board to see that replay of exactly what happened um, on the play. And then when the entire offense came off the field on fourth down, um, or and uh, I looked over and Isaiah McKenzie was the first to run up to him and was like in Anthony's ear. So I was really interested too to know what that conversation was. So one of the things like, you know, I thought when the whole thing was when he came out for the second series, he was just so poised and was able to shake off that interception really, really well. Um, and I thought the communication on the sidelines was really good in terms of how they were going to adjust and really quickly address, you know, what happened on the interception. And then I thought, you know, he, he showed some fantastic flashes in that uh, succeeding drive. The throw to Pierce was an absolute beauty of a ball, um, you know, in the end zone. Should have been a TD. I also felt like it was unfortunate that when you finally saw his legs on display and he takes it down, I think inside the five maybe, the play was on the opposite sideline. It was over on the Bills sideline. And it was unfortunately called back by a penalty. I was like, dang, man, that was those were two really, I thought, outstanding plays that you would have had those come to fruition, had those been successful plays. I think you would have felt even stronger about the performance. But, you know, I thought overall it was a really encouraging start for him. Um, and I think that it gives you something to build upon. That's what I think is most beneficial from the whole thing is you saw good and you saw bad. And now he has these critical two joint practices where he's able to adjust from the things that he saw in game. So I think what is most important coming out of Saturday is what do you see he, Shane Steichen, the rest of the offense implement over these two days of joint practice, Wednesday, Thursday, and then how do they handle the game on Saturday in terms of evaluating where he is to potentially be your regular season starter. Lara Overton with us, host, producer, reporter for your Indianapolis Colts. Lara, my overall takeaways was mixed bag from Anthony Richardson, but but overall I was you know content with what I saw. I left, though, wanting more. Did, did you have a similar sentiment on that, of, of looking forward to seeing when these next reps and opportunities will be for him? Oh, absolutely. And you could tell he was hungry to get more. Obviously, they had a plan going in of exactly how much work he would see in that opener. And I think that's a great thing that you, everyone, or at least everyone I've talked to, walked out of it as, man, you saw – he. He left you wanting to see more what he does when he does have, you know, more weapons at the tight end position. You think about it, like the guys who he was playing with, of course, like that group has been 
ravaged by in an injury the last few weeks. What does it look like when you have more guys in there to work with? You know, what does the running back group work with when it's, you know, not just Evan Hull and Deion Jackson and Jake Funk and, uh, you know, the rest of the guys that you had? What does it look like when he's able to get in there, you know, with other guys? Hopefully at some point you, you would hope that that is Jonathan Taylor. Um, so I do think that it was really good in terms of what he had to work with in that situation. I thought the offensive line play was really strong. So I do think that it'll be that that's just going to continue to grow. And I think he's going to take on a heavier workload as we go into these couple joint practices. And it'll be interesting to see how the reps are divvied up between first and second team offense. She's Lara Overton, Colts reporter, host, producer, joining us here on the fan. I'm going to be honest with you here, Lara. And I'll give you a, a brief Cliff's Notes version of my, uh, <laughs> my Anthony Richardson comments on the show today. Which is well, I, I agree heard a little bit earlier. I was in the car and I uh-huh. know that you referenced Tasker, which I of course didn't hear Tasker's assessment. Yeah. I kind of heard you recap a little bit. So yes, just bring me up to speed on everything that I missed. But I did. I tuned in and caught you guys a little bit earlier. Okay, so I was the one that you were yelling at when you were driving around. That that was me. <laughs> but I agree with you. The throw to Alec Pierce was beautiful. But I look at the overall and I say the interception, that was a poor decision and a forced throw. There were two missed hitch routes with a wide-open tight end, wide-open receiver in Pittman Jr. Three of his seven completions were behind the line of scrimmage. I just look at those things and I'm like, mm, I, I, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Do I just need a hug? <laughs> like, What would be your counter to me looking at Richardson's performance like that? I think one thing that you have to take into account is, I mean, obviously the Bills were not, they didn't have all of their starters, you know, out there, but it is worth noting that that was one of the top five scoring defenses in the league last year. So it that is a pretty good group for him to get his first test up against, right? Like that is a very stout defensive front, uh, you know, and really good guys top to bottom that they have within that defense. And I think that's a really good thing for Anthony Richardson to see um, and for him to go up against. Yeah, I mean, I think when you take into account uh, the big knock on him coming out of college was how few games he started out of Florida. And then that is his first performance coming in. And you look across you know, across the board at what do the other rookies do, especially C.J. Stroud, you know, and uh, Will Levis and some of these other guys within the AFC South. Look at, you know, I think Bryce Young and the Panthers, I believe, went scoreless. I think they got shut out um, in in their preseason games. I'm not sure of exactly all of, you know, his statistics or any of those statistics individually, but I don't know. I'm trying to think about if there was, you know, any one guy that really lit up the stat sheet from the quarterback, the rookie quarterback perspective. The one guy that did is by no means a rookie. And it's a guy coming into Westfield this week, Justin Fields, with the you know the game that he had, um, and that just impressive uh, work that he that he had the other night. Um, I don't know. I think that I don't think that the um, criticism is is a bad thing at all. I think it's healthy. I think everyone sees that perspective, you know, differently. Um, and I think too that like Anthony Richardson is going to be harder on himself than anybody. And, you know, Shane Steichen certainly has a very high expectation and a high standard for him. So it doesn't bother me that anyone is critical or, you know, they felt like that they were uh, at all disappointed in what they saw, because I assure you, no one is going to assess the tape harder than number five himself. Lara, all the pressure in the world this season 
not just on Anthony Richardson and, and other players on the Colts roster, but I would argue more than anyone is on Shaq Leonard. And we've been talking about checking off different boxes for him in his road to a return to football. We know where expectations are going to be week one. He needs to be the high-quality player the Colts believe he can be. But the significance of checking that latest box, which is being on an NFL field for the first time since last November. Oh, I, you know, that's one of the questions I asked him in our interview on the sidelines. How significant of a step was this? And he said it was huge. I mean, this was a massive step just to get out there, put the pads, put the helmet on, you know, line up with your guys. But one thing, you know, one thing he didn't, and he mentioned this in our interview, that he wasn't able to check in terms of the box you need to see is he wasn't able to make contact because all the plays kind of went away from him, right? So he wasn't necessarily making those hits and tackles that you kind of need to have that be that next level of, okay, now we have the feel for that again. He did say, you know, the speed of it, he was able to adjust to that. It was good to get the feel of the game back from a game speed perspective again. But I think if he comes out and, again, is, you know, in this scenario of, you know, no restrictions, as we go into these two joint practices with the Bears, I think that's a really good indication of where he will be come week one. And that was something that he told me pregame is I need to do this. I need to do this this week because the next week ahead is stacking it and getting me ready and building my confidence. So he, he sees each and every one of these opportunities as, as much as it is, building back physically and and looking at, okay, how's the ankle after a game? How's the back after the game? It's also head-wise how you feel on after the game. How how are you feeling overall? What's your approach? What's your psyche? Are you eager to get back out there? Are you playing tentative? And by all by all accounts, I saw, you know, a a Shaq Leonard that had a massive weight lifted off of his shoulder pads and just being able to get out there again. Now I think it's all right, go out there, make some tackles and apply some pressure. As far as um, sideline interviews, who's at the top of the list? Is it Gardner Minshew or somebody else? <laughs> uh, there's, I will tell you, there's like no bad interview at all. Uh, Gardner's hilarious. He's, he's such a fantastic personality, and he's so smart. Like he just gives great analysis and he gives great perspective in terms of you know. I asked him about the adjustments that they were able to make at the end of the second quarter. Uh, you know, when he engineered that two-minute drive successfully so, and, uh, you know, what what adjustments he was able to make with the offense. I thought that was all great. His assessment of Anthony and, you know, this quarter group, quarterback group as a whole. Um, in terms of specifically Saturday, Isaiah McKenzie was such a highlight for me because he was going back to Buffalo, a place where he played five seasons of his NFL career. He is beloved by that organization, by that fan base. I'm not sure if you guys saw it. In the broadcast, but pregame, Matt Wilkening uh, was able to capture video. There was a kid in the stands, his name's Owen, was holding a sign, and he said, one more backflip for old time's sake. And as Isaiah was out there warming up, he saw the sign, lifts the kid, you know, over the side of the stands, over the wall, and they did backflips on the field. So during our interview, I asked Isaiah about it, and he said that young fan and his dad sat in the same spot on the opposite end of the field, all last year, and one one day had a sign, Isaiah, I'll challenge you to a backflip, and they did it. So I think it was really cool to see Isaiah back there. And see him back there have such great respect for the Bills organization, but also have such great excitement for the future of the Colts and what his role can be. Obviously significant with his relationship with DeMar Hamlin 
they'd been teammates and he had you know traded messages with Jamar before the game they had an agreement to meet at midfield at the end of the game all of those things and there was a really funny Sean McDermott quote from earlier in the week if you guys saw this leading up to the game but he made a comment in his media availability that uh, the game plan revolves around stopping Isaiah McKenzie, and we will double and triple team him if we have to. He said he's public enemy number one, and to drive the point home, I've put a picture of him up in our team room. Obviously, this is just fun preseason banter, and Isaiah loved it and said they actually really did double team me at one point. So <laughs> I think in terms of being in Buffalo and it being that preseason type of environment, Isaiah McKenzie was just such an incredible interview out there. And he's also going to be such an asset for this offense, you know, despite obviously the, the miscommunication um, that we've talked so much about with the interception. That aside, I think that you're going to see some really great things for him as we build through the remainder of the preseason. Well, Lara, it's always good to catch up with you, and uh, you always do a tremendous job on these interviews and your interviews during the game. But uh, thank you for sharing some of your time with us, and thanks for rocking the get, rocking the fan while you're driving around there, huh? That's beautiful. <laughs> I always do. I, I'll text uh, Kevin Bowen almost every morning. Like I'll be listening to something, and I'll hear you know, I'll fire him off just a detail or something I might be able to share. Like I told him about Matt Ryan was up there. Oh, that's kind of another highlight. I got to see Matt Ryan. Uh, he was shadowing Andrew Catalan and Steve Tasker because he'll be with Catalan on CBS this season. So seeing uh, Matty Ice was, was fantastic as well. And I appreciate all the hard work you guys do. Thank you so much for the kind words. Cannot wait to get back at it Saturday night, this time at Lucas Oil Stadium. Amen. Well, thank you very much, Lara. We'll be looking forward to seeing you. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. Thanks, Lara. You too. There she is, Lara Overton, Colts reporter, host, producer, here on the fan with us. You know, it, something that she said about Isaiah McKenzie at the end there, um, it, it just made me think about the very first play of the preseason game against the Bills, Jimmy, is... Now, <laughs> this is um, overreaction alert, okay? It's going to sound like an overreaction. It's really not, but you're going to have to give me a little bit of grace here, okay? Now, this is the opening kickoff, Listen to how it sounded on the Bills TV network. And a familiar face is back deep for the Colts. Isaiah McKenzie, the former Bill, set to return the kickoff and we're underway in the 2023 preseason. It's going to be McKenzie taking it out of the end zone against his former team. Hit hard at the 15 with a flag down. Yeah, okay. So what happened was Isaiah caught the ball about five yards deep in the end zone. And he was going backwards, you know? Think about a center fielder, where they normally kind of come in if they're about to to throw to second base or whatever. Get throw that to momentum third, throw to home. It, yeah. Get that momentum. You want to crow hop, maybe? Mm-hmm. Get your momentum going forward? That's not what McKenzie was doing. He was going backwards. So he caught the ball five yards deep. He was about eight or nine yards deep when he planted his foot and decided to bring it out. And he got tackled at the 15 And then there was a penalty. So Anthony Richardson's very first drive starts at the Colts' eight-yard line. (laughs) Now, Jimmy, I know this is game one of the preseason. I know that. But it led to Anthony Richardson pressing, made a bad decision, forced to throw interception. And so I'm just curious how this team, you have to guard against trying to do too much. And you think about a disappointing season, 4-12-1. You think about a rookie quarterback 
probably getting a lot of playing time this year. It's a recipe for players to maybe try to do more than they're asked to do. You know what I mean? It's the old classic Patriots, do your job. And I think the Colts, they got to guard against trying to do what they're asked to do and then maybe like 25% of what the next guy is asked to do because that can get in your way. And I know it's a lot to take away from an opening kickoff in week one of the preseason, but it's true. It's absolutely true, and I think it's something that the Colts will have to guard against this season. I need sound decision-making regardless of which team I'm rooting for, whether I'm betting on the team, whether it's a a team that I I love that I root for every week like Kansas City. Regardless of who it is, I need competence in special teams, and I don't need things being further behind the eight ball than they should have been to open drives. Like you mentioned, it's only one return, not the end of the world, but you've been talking about red flags left and right. I mean, those type of decision makes or decisions that are made in that split second can be the difference between, well, maybe we give, and Kevin Bowen alluded to this on 1075thefan.com and his observations, maybe it's Josh Downs that's out there returning punts and kickoffs for you. Maybe you want to go in a different direction. Those are the type of gray areas within a football game that maybe you'll gloss over it, but for a coaching staff, that kind of stuff matters. So it's not to say that the special teams for 2023 is doomed for the Colts, but why... <laughs> I don't know. I'm against kickoff returns for the most part as a player. And this is dumb. I get it. But it's just it's the only level of comparison I can make to an NFL player. And it's not right. It's when you're playing video games at home and only bad things happen whenever I take the ball out of the end zone to the point where it's like, eh, fair catch it. Let's let's just let's just start at the twenty five. Start at the twenty five and be done with it. And yeah. that and Brandon Gordon taunting me when I only get to the twenty four. And he's like, "Well, he probably would have been better off if he <laughs> just would have <laughs> taken a knee in the end zone." So yeah, like I I'm usually against punt returns. A different story, but kickoff returns just take the knee. Get get some type of calm starting position versus right. being at your own eight. You know me, Jimmy. I'm not against taking a gamble from time to time, sure. you know, but you got to do it when the odds are in your favor. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. I'm not against all things kickoff returns. If you catch the ball near the goal line or you're a yard or two deep and you've got momentum going forward. Okay, fine. Bring it out. See what you can get. <laughs> not when you're backing up to your eight or nine yards deep in the end zone. <laughs> as You're not going oh. forward. That's just, it's not a, the odds aren't in your favor to get past the 25. And on the throw from Anthony Richardson, the odds weren't in his favor that it was going to work out when you force a throw like that on second and six. You know what I mean? That's not third and 14. And you're trying to force it and see what can happen. That's that's second and six on the first drive. By the way, back-to-back bugaboos by Isaiah McKenzie in terms of how that game started and then how that interception happened. Again, you and I probably agree throw shouldn't have been made, but if he's going to own it, which I admire that it was his fault that he ran the wrong route, that becomes two negative marks in terms of how the preseason game went for Isaiah McKenzie solely. Doesn't mean you can't bounce back from it. He's a veteran wide receiver. Like it's, it's, it's one of those where it's like, all right, it's a bad day, but hopefully we don't expect that as routine from you still though on paper, it's a tough string of plays there for your opening drive yeah. for your new supposed to be franchise quarterback. Yeah. Well, hey, man, that's true. That's true. But, but he owned it. Like he, he did all you can as a veteran. You own it if you made the mistake. And hopefully, I mean, I'm not going to say you don't see it again because 
accidents happen. Routes are sometimes miscommunication happens, particularly with a new quarterback. But you brought him in so that doesn't happen. You want experience in your wide receiver room, and hopefully it's a one-off and we're not talking about it in three or four weeks. Look, man, I get uh, if somebody runs the wrong route, fine. You take that into account. But that's still Richardson Yeah, I'm not pressing. trying to fully absolve right, right, him, by the way. Right, because he's – look, man, no one's Mahomes. <laughs> and that was back foot, sidearm, falling away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was pressing on second and six. That's all I'm saying. All right, coming up next, what Anthony Richardson has in common with The Rock. Do you like The Rock, the, the pro wrestler? Love The Rock. Love The Rock. Did you like the movie The Fugitive from back in the day? Yes. You did like that. There's something that Anthony Richardson has in common with both. Ooh. That's on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. How about our guy, Eddie Garrison, getting some promo shine right there? You kidding me? Yeah. That was beautiful. We should play that on a loop over here on The Fan. You kidding? When is that, Eddie? The Eddie Garrison production and the trumpets and the bells and whistles? Uh, Friday night, I've got the high school game of the week here on The Fan. We're at Hamilton Southeastern. It'll be Carroll of Fort Wayne, as you heard in the promo, making the drive down to... HSE uh, should be a good game. It's a semi-state rematch of last year. That's what I'm talking about, Eddie Garrison. Very nice, man. It's beautiful. Okay, so um, we go from Eddie Garrison to someone who didn't play as studly. That would be Anthony Richardson. (laughs) But uh, there was audio of maybe his agent-to-be, Steve Tasker, on the Bills TV network. And thankfully, he's interrupted by an official here. This is the only time I was happy an official like cut off the color commentator. Check this out. And I'll say this in this last draft. Anthony Richardson is the guy I would have picked in that draft. His upside. Offside. And then, then, <laughs> and then he got sidetracked. He didn't pick it back up. But I, I think the last part of that was like, offside, Steve Tasker, five-yard penalty. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. Or, or, or a good bit, unnecessary opinion, Steve Tasker, <laughs> 15 yards. That's his first, second one. He's out of here. That, that type of thing. Listen, man, here's the thing. Jimmy, I understand the ceiling matters. I totally get that. But here's what I'll say. The ceiling doesn't matter if a quarterback doesn't execute simple plays. That's the truth of it. And Anthony Richardson, he's got to do a better job converting the simple plays. I know it's one preseason game. I get that. But with his lack of experience in college, coupled with trying to get up to speed at the NFL level... You have to execute the simple plays. And he airmailed a couple of hitch routes. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I keep on hearing about the ceiling, the ceiling, the ceiling, the ceiling. You gotta do the you gotta convert these hitch patterns when someone who doesn't have half the ceiling is doing that routinely. You understand? Like the ceiling doesn't matter at that point at all. It's like you gotta the simple stuff should be a given. You don't see Steph Curry missing layup after layup. Like, his ceiling is really high, but he's not screwing up the easy stuff. And that's, I think, something that Anthony Richardson has to do a much better job of. I I don't disagree with you, and that is the beauty of being a rookie in the National Football League, is that you're not, and I know you're not saying that, you're just drawing the example there, you're not saying he needs to be Steph Curry right away. Nobody's saying he needs to be Steph Curry right away, but he needs to execute the small stuff. And I, I don't disagree with you. It's frustrating that 
that is the large takeaway outside of the deep throw to Pierce and outside of the interception is, yeah, he missed some easy stuff and you mentioned it's red flag city for you. For for me, it's, it's a, okay, I'm jotting that down. This is a, I'm not going to say the preseason debut is the only low point we'll see this year. Cause you and I are in agreement on that. It's not going to be rainbows and butterflies. Whenever he starts, you hope that the highest of highs offsets the lowest of lows to where you come out of this season and think to yourself, Hey, we have something here. Like that's what you hope for, but I don't expect him to be instantly accurate on every ball just because of 12 throws in a preseason game. Now I need the next opportunity and the next opportunity is joint practice. And the next opportunity is the preseason game against the bears. That's not to gloss over what happened, right? But I feel like, and I don't think you've done that today, but I think it's easy to overreact either way, glowingly positive or glowingly negative. And I feel like at this point, there's been the middle of those, the centrist look on both sides. I've been more positive, you've been more negative, but uh-huh. I don't think either one of us are walking away <laughs> saying that, man, we need to dump him right now. This is a failed no. thing. See, like, and eject. then there's me. You both are wrong. <laughs> You just want to do, yeah, you just want to say that. You just you want to be against all of us here. Yeah, listen, man. It's um, I, he needs I don't know more how to before say we find out his floor is all I'm saying. Whether that's week yeah, one that's or week fine. seven, yeah, I, I yeah. need more before I'm willing to say, hey, this is what he is at his most consistent platform, right. and that's scary. That's the problem for me is at the heart of all of this, it's just the sugarcoating or the utter glossing over not executing the simple plays. Again, like you said, Jimmy, it's the first preseason start. Maybe there's a little nerves. You got to give a little bit of grace. I'm not expecting Mahomes right out of the gate. I'm not expecting that. But I just despise the the sports center analysis, you know, where it's just look at his highlight throws and nothing else. Sure. Like missing the simple plays, it's as if it never even happened. It's like, dude, that's what determines wins and losses in the NFL. Like you have to be able to execute the simple stuff and move the chains on third and four. You can't just miss a wide open dude and barely get the ball near him. Like right. that's a huge miss. And that's why I come to the comparisons over here. When we're talking about the ceiling, This is what I think about the ceiling talk when any quarterback isn't executing the simple plays. I don't care. That yeah, there's Harrison Ford from the Fugitive right there, (laughs) or 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 The Rock, where all this ceiling talk and oh, if he realizes the ceiling, uh, what 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 does that mean when uh, he can't execute a a five yard hitch route? That's right. It doesn't freaking matter. And so that's where you get some of my venom is when that, which is really important, is just glossed over like it doesn't matter. Where, ah, third and five, just missed an opportunity, had to punt, no biggie. It's like just that can lose you games. That has to be corrected. But I'll be positive. Positive no here. (laughs) On the other sideline, Jimmy, Josh Allen, who didn't play, but his first couple of seasons marred with inaccurate throws. Mm-hmm. And he has taken huge strides in the right direction. It can happen. So by no means, don't misinterpret this as me saying, yep, told you so, bus city. 
It's, we just can't gloss over. That has to be corrected. Making the simple plays because that's critical. I worry, though, that maybe, not everybody, like not the Bills TV crew, but I think that some of the local coverage, it gets portrayed as being glossed over and misinterpreted when it's being, I think, accepted. Like, that, you know, what'd you expect was going to happen? Like, I'm not surprised that he struggled. I mean, I'll admit, yeah, like the consistently missing the hitch routes throughout that preseason game, frustrating, but like, what his accuracy is, what I saw on the field, and then ultimately what the stat line showed for him, there's multiple layers of analysis, right? It's not just box score analysis. It's what did he actually do on the field. Yeah, my feeling is neutral to slightly positive of I want more. But if it continues, like now you have a learning standpoint. You have a learning marker of, okay, you missed a lot of these hitch routes. Maybe we throw more out there whether it's in joint practices or within his next preseason start, and is he still consistently missing? That would fall into the degree of, okay, maybe he's not ready to be thrown to the Wolves week one. But if I see enough to, okay, he's seen that and he's learned from it or we can rely on him to do it, but yeah, maybe he'll miss because he's a rookie. Those are two totally different spectrums to be on. And right now through one preseason game, we're at the wrong side of that spectrum for where we want to be. Well, that's the thing. Ed, uh, Jimmy, Gosh. <laughs> someone become Man. Ed or Jim, please. <laughs> You've been so good for so long. So good. And, and now I just screwed it up. You got to execute the simple plays, like right? Getting like names right, getting I names right. Getting names right. Yep. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's where we differ a little bit, I think. Yeah. I'm not surprised that he missed open receivers because he's not a precise quarterback. I, you you look at it where it's more like, yeah, well, well that's, that's where we right. differ. I say yet. <laughs> okay. But you might look at it more where, hey, it's the first preseason start. Like, you know, chill a little bit. Right? I mean, his first NFL yeah. game, nerve, everything you've outlined, I'm yeah, willing to buy into. But here's the like, thing. It happens. Here's, here's the thing, though, Jimmy, is we talk to a lot of reporters, a lot of people that cover the Colts. This has been a consistent theme in training camp. We'll talk to Stephen Holder. We'll talk to mm-hmm. Nate Atkins. We'll talk to a lot of people, boots on the ground, that are there. And they say, always, like consistently, oh, a couple of jaw-dropping throws, but missed a lot of the simple throws. Right? We've heard that time and time and time again. And so, shocker, wow, we saw it <laughs> in a preseason game. Like, yep. What do you think is going to happen in the regular season? It's something that he has to correct. And it just annoys me when it's glossed over as if, that isn't going to directly impact wins and losses. It's not just who throws the Patrick Mahomes moon ball to Tyreek Hill for you know 55 yards on a dime and we all go ooh and ah. It's the simple things that Mahomes does consistently, like time and time and time again, that determine truly wins and losses. It's not just the special stuff. If the only thing you're good at is deep balls, which that wasn't the only thing Mahomes was good at, but it was something that just you play man coverage against them and it's over. Like you, goodbye, it's touchdown, see you later. It's a pickup of 40, 50 yards. So they start playing too high safety to try to take away the deep threat. And to be a complete quarterback, you have to be able to adjust to settle for the underneath stuff, but not only settle for it, complete accurate passes. So your concerns are totally valid. I just think right now they're, they're notes versus full deck relations of what he's going to be at the next level because of how small the sample size is. Also, he's going to be tied to the hip to every rookie quarterback that was taken in the 2023 draft class. Nobody wowed me. Nobody from mm-hmm. the quarterback class wowed me this weekend. And I get it. It's this market, so that's why we're, we're harder and more critical of him. But 
I think that the reason there's no grace or curve for him is what you've outlined in the past, which is he doesn't have the experience. He doesn't have the same amount of reps and knowledge of the game from that firsthand account that the other rookies in the class do currently have. And and that's fair. But the only way he's going to get that is by giving him the reps. And I'm not going to... I don't think either one of us would. We'll be more critical one way or the other. I'm not going to, you know, tear down Indianapolis if they don't start him until week seven. Like, Mm -hmm. it's going to be Shane Steichen's decision. But whenever that time comes, I want it to be as many force-fed reps as possible for him because that is the thing that's lacking. And if it is an accuracy issue, I want as much tape at the NFL level as scouts, as coaches, as whoever can dissect into to try to solve that for him because that's the only reason that Josh Allen is a top five quarterback now, among other things, is he figured out the accuracy issue. And he had, I don't know what the exact numbers were, but Brian, you've gone through them many a time. You know, I don't need exact, but he had a significant leg up in terms of reps compared to where Anthony Richardson is. So that, that, that's what I want to see. I want to see plenty of reps so that if it is an accuracy issue, is it fixable or not? And if it's not, then you botched a pick, and this regime's not going to be around for the for much longer within this trial of Anthony Richardson. Well, a few things here. So, uh, you know, Josh Allen, 649 attempts in college. Not like crazy. Some sure. of these guys are well over 1,000. But a lot more than Anthony Richardson, who was under 400. So that's a sure. lot more reps, a lot more attempts right there. But here's the thing. With Anthony Richardson, I would cut him a lot more slack if I saw him at Florida and he was precise, he was consistently accurate. We're getting reports from Colts reporters that are like, this guy, it's not just the special throws. He is so consistent. He is pinpoint accurate. If uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is doing his Tyreek Hill impersonation, who is like, two is the most accurate quarterback I've ever played with. If we're getting that and then Anthony Richardson went out there against the Bills and was inaccurate, I'd say, okay, maybe a little bit of nerves. But that's not the case. That's not the backdrop. The backdrop matters. Yeah. Anthony Richardson consistently was inaccurate and not precise in college. You're getting report after report. Hey, some special throws. Drop my jaw. But inaccurate. Missed the play here. Missed the throw there. So that coupled with the preseason, where again, I'm not expecting him to be flawless. What I am expecting is for him, with all of his ability and his high ceiling, to execute hitch routes. Like, that is not unreasonable at all. And I think we get away from that where it's like, dude, your tight end's open. Pittman Jr. is wide open. It's a hitch. It, it can't be that far off. You know, Shane Steichen is a former quarterback. <laughs> he's tearing his hair out. Like, I'm used to Jalen Hurts and Phil, and he's going to be patient. But on those plays, those are gimmies. And you can't leave him on the field like that. Can't happen. And by those metrics, which I don't disagree with, he failed the first preseason by getting the simple stuff down pat. But yeah. that is why I want to see more because it's not a finished product. You're not. I know you're not saying it's a finished product. I don't want right. to misrepresent that. But that's why I need to see more because for now, it is a one-off at the NFL level. I'm not totally discarding what he did in college, but we knew that. We knew the accuracy issues. The Colts knew the accuracy issues. But if it's if with the reps it's still not fixed, you're going to have all the answers you need of okay, were we right or were we wrong in drafting this kid? And for me, 
I don't have the red flag up, but I've made the note. I'm not glossing over it, but I have a learning marker of I need to see better from you in the next opportunity you get. Okay, Jimmy, we got a lot to do. We've got tremendous audio. We've got bad beats, and then we've got award-winning picks. Okay? Boom, boom, boom. We're going to set them up, knock them down, coming up. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian, though. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. So, uh, you a fan of the song Cotton Eye Joe over there, Jimmy? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> you know that song? It's a very funny song. I'm not a hater of Cotton Eye Joe. I know where we're going with this, but continue. Yeah. So there's a tennis match uh, in the Canadian Open. Semi-final match. Jessica Pagula, who's the daughter of the Buffalo Bills team owners, right? She's in this knockdown drag out with the one seed. And Cotton Eye Joe just makes an appearance out of nowhere. Super loud during the point. Check this out. On Tennis Channel. Oh, wow. Cotton Eye Joe just came on mid-rally. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's some of my favorite audio. Right? I love it. Replay the point. Like, who's the dirtbag who's playing this right now? So they replayed the point. Uh, Jessica Pagula actually lost the next 12 straight points, Jimmy. Ooh. But she held on. She won the match. She's moving on to the uh, the championship round right there. But, uh, yeah, she even tweeted, I mean, what the? With a crying, laughing emoji, which is very <laughs> funny right there. Now, do you think if you're giving your picks and all of a sudden you just hear, you know, do you think you're going to be able to stay on track? Or are you going to miss the equivalent of your next 12 straight points like uh, Jessica did there? I mean, I would like to think I could overcome the adversity, but you know, you're not you're not ready for that. Sometimes you're it, it's not like you're in tennis is not a sport where it's like you're in a football or basketball game and you expect to hear just wild things either from the right. PA system yeah. or from the crowd. It is very respectful, like golf, like just let them go about their way and react after the point happens. So it's can be nerve wracking. Um, man, that popped up in my feed on TikTok from, I think, like Bleacher Report betting or something like that. And oh. I was like, all right, well, what's this doing here? And then I turn out the volume. and I'm like, oh, my, that, that's your worst fear. <laughs> if you're in a in arena production setting, whether it is behind a board or in charge of music, that's your worst fear within a press box of mid game when it's not supposed to be happening. Music starts playing. By the way, worst fear with preseason betting, if you will, before your picks here. How about the Chiefs involved in one of the more the nastier preseason beats? So if you bet on the Chiefs to just win the game outright against the uh, the Saints uh, yesterday. So here's the brief scenario. The Saints score a touchdown. They're down by one point with just over a minute to go. They try to go for two. It's a disaster. Not even close. The Chiefs get the ball back. Okay? Just over a minute to go. Saints have two timeouts. So the, the, the Chiefs run it stuffed. Run it again stuffed. Saints are out of timeouts. The Chiefs are like, now would be a great time for a pass. <laughs> they throw an interception. That's what sets up the winning field goal. <laughs> That's what's crazy is 
We know this isn't the regular season. They would never choose to do that in a regular season atmosphere. But in the preseason, Andy Reid's just like, eh, screw it. Let's see what the third or fourth string QB can do in this situation. And you might lose cash based on that. So, yeah, kind of proceed with caution over there, man. Yeah, it, it, was, it, it, it was four-string quarterback action. I think it was like a screen pass or something that just yeah. did not happen and, and, and ended up getting picked off by the defensive end or defense. Yeah, um, look – that's why adding the preseason is a dangerous game. What do you get? It do? is very dangerous. Now, we get to your picks right now, Jimmy. Let's do it. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my way. This is how I win. Short slate today, all MLB. Give me the Houston Astros on the money line over the Miami Marlins. That at minus 148. Also lay one and a half on the run line on the Atlanta Braves as they host the New York Yankees. What a week it was last week. Capped off by a 6-1 and one Friday, 15-5 and five last Woo. week for the plays. Eddie Garrison, anything? Um... I was taking those two exact things. Really? Whoa. Yes. We did not share anything. That's a no. rarity that that happens between Eddie and myself. That's, those Ryan? are the two I was going with. And I'll take, uh, I'll take Ray's money line. All righty. Ryan? I haven't looked knee-deep in craziness this, this today, getting ready for the show. Rewatching those hitch routes was happening. Just getting the audio loop. from the Bill's TV <laughs> network. Uh, yeah, so I'll have some picks for you uh, tomorrow, but 15 and 5. Was impressive. Very well done. Very nice. All right, JMV, top of the hour. Keep it locked right here on The Fan.